to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky Luciano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You've tuned into the greatest show on earth. That's right. We're coming at you from the bunker in Southern California. Sitting across from me, my co-host and partner is Chumahan Bowen, American, Indian, Southern Californian, elegant, barbarian, here to say some unforgettable shit once again. Come on. Something dries. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Talking about right there. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Let's go. Savages. Savages. Man. Huh. Huh. Yeah. And old Emerald Blue Eyes on audio. Sean Lewis, certified audio professional, engineer for the hard luck show. Yeah. 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 Whoa, whoa. Uh. Shout out to Arbs. Shout out to Arbs. He's got yeah. the meat. Uh. He's got, he got the some meat. real summertime jam shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? A little right. R&B like. Little slow cooked barbecue hanging out. Yeah. Getting your swerve on. Yeah. The song's called Take the Ten. What? The song's called Take the Ten. As in Take the, the ten, 10 freeway. Yeah. Right. The west side. Until you That's get right. to until uh, you get to <laughs> Pacific Coast Highway. Yeah. Right? Until you get to the city of Santa Monica, oh, California. Look at Sean, man. He's like leaning back. He's yeah. got a little yeah. bit. Sean, what are you doing with that cough syrup? What? Yeah. He's, he's pouring cup. it oh, into a syrup. What? He's pouring it into a soda. That's the scissor up. Is so. he gonna drink that? You drink Sean, scissor? Sean, don't drink that scissor. Come on, no, man. Come your on, kidneys bro. are going to fail. Come on, that's coding, bro. to put what that shit down. What the fuck are you doing? We're trying to run, do a show. God yeah, damn, man. You're over here on motherfucker. We got actual... We got like an actual... Lean. Right. We got like a serious person in the, the studio we right got now. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> Sometimes virus. we have major players come through as guests. Uh, and is this... This beautiful early afternoon, we have a lovely, gorgeous uh, woman uh, that runs a company called From the Streets to the Set. Let's welcome the the beautiful, ever-talented, motivated Miss Bernice here to the show today. Welcome Bernice. to the show, Bernice. Thank you for having me. Look at the crowd. Woo! Look at the crowd. Calm down, guys. Sit down. Hey, hey, she's put married. Your shirt down. Come put on, your shirt she's down. married. Oh, wow. Look at that guy just dropped his pants. <laughs> I can't believe it. God me. damn. You got even the ladies are trying to show. Hey, hey everybody. Put that down. Hey, come on. This ain't that kind of show. Man. Good she, Lord. We got men and women all riled up in here. Oh, my God. She, Lepke, leave her alone, Lepke. <laughs> look at look it. By the way, Bernice is is like a casting director. She, she handles and, and she has a casting company. And she came in and uh, I had kind of like peeped out. I had kind of like uh, dealt out a little bit that she was coming in for the show. Lepke didn't know she was coming. So we're finishing. And Lepke's like, as soon as I said... <laughs> 
<laughs> said the name of her company, like his ears were kind of like a Doberman. Like they've got, they both started pointing. Right. right. And I was like, when I said, he goes, oh yeah, I wanted to meet her. Yeah, I got my head shot. Okay. And he started getting all nervous and sweaty. And wet. I'm like, hey Dude, man, he, relax, bro. And he goes, when's you going to be here? And he started, you know, wiping his face he off. He had a towel. The bath. Yeah, he's doing he, his weightlifting towel came out. He was mopping his face. It was like he was getting ready to meet Scorsese. <laughs> Dude, think, and, you know? and, and, when, and when she walked in... He almost ran her over. Oh, I've never seen him like Dude, that. Have you ever seen him move? He was moving like a never, gazelle, bro. He pushed Big Tim out, out of the, the way. way. Yeah. Big Tim's face smashed against the window right yeah. there. He was like, hey, uh, hey, so Bernice, hey, so what's going on? Hey, you know what? I know I, little Pee Wee. I was, I, yeah, hey, yeah, listen, yeah, hey, yeah. I'm like a father to him. I'm like a father to him. Yeah. And then I heard Bernice actually say, and I'm not exactly sure why she said it, but she's like, Lepke, I'm married. And he was yeah. like, oh, remember that? Yeah. That was yeah. crazy. We had Man. to like, I had to get the. We had to pull him off of her feet. Right. Right. He was pitching. He was starting to do auditions. Yeah, he was. He like, was. It wasn't auditions. Right. He put, he put his hand in his face. He was like, okay, hold on. Honey. I'm going to do a scene. I'm going to do a scene from on the waterfront. Yeah, yeah. Like, he started going. Yeah. Exactly. I could have been, been a contender. Been some, yeah. I could. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, he was like, yeah. okay, that was that. Was the... Bernice, let's just cut right to the chase. Yes, sir. Okay, can we just stop fucking around? Is that possible? Ask me. Okay. Do you deal with that like on a daily? Like do people, once they hear you're a casting director or you're a casting agent or whatever it is, do they immediately go into, I'm pitching my shit to you right now? Um, when it's on a face-to-face basis, uh, most likely it's like, hey, where can I send this? Where can I, you know, start? What's the email? Are you any projects? Um, so that's that's on a daily. But just with the difference with Levki is that, you know, it's been years since we've seen each other. And, um, <laughs> you know, so now that he's sober and doing good now he could officially remember where he met me and um but i've seen <laughs> i've seen um i've seen lefty like years ago i met him years ago um and you know i've always gravitated to his energy it's always been like he's course. been loud he's been you know just outgoing high yeah. octane yeah. he is always <laughs> high octane right yeah he's the best he's got yeah. a heart of gold mm-hmm. yes he does um so i don't know steve where do you want to i mean maybe berenice can tell us but like where do you want to start this thing or how do you want to um set this up yeah well well let me begin by starting to say i'll give you a little background story um <clears throat> There's a gentleman that I'm I'm been friends with for about 25 years, who used to have an agency called Suspect Entertainment. His name's Manny, and I'm sure many listeners know who I'm talking about. And and I'm real close with Manny, and me and Manny have some mutual friends that are like my family and like his family kind. Of. But I'm I'm close with him, and he's close with one of my business partners, Estevan, and some other people. Anyways, um. He kind of was doing something in entertainment, and um, and then uh, on Instagram, I I came across uh, Bernice's page, which is from the streets to the set, and she was doing something in a similar vein. And basically, what I want to say is what what both of these people were doing or are, are doing or were doing and doing now. Bernice is bringing, um, you know, we we see so many. We see in Hollywood and in media our, our our brown brothers and sisters primarily being misrepresented. What does that bullshit. mean? Like misrepresented? I mean, I mean, How? You see a lot of these films, man. They're they're casting 
a lot of imposters in these in these these positions and these I, roles that really uh it this looks completely retarded and we get misrepresented a lot okay the brown right. community right and I, I and and i always felt like man when they would cast a lot of these movies some of them are kind of like um i don't know just just great films or the ability to be great films and when they would cast these characters that really aren't really they get it all wrong from the director on down to the actors, the casting, everybody. They just don't get it right. And I think that, I think as I grew up watching films, I, I would say to myself, man, why don't they cast like a real motherfucker in that? Right. And then they'd get the real dude. Or why what, isn't what? a real motherfucker from the streets direct something and they would get like. Hey, you, what would be a film where you saw it and you're like, man, if that would have had a real motherfucker in it, it would have been 10 times better? I. <sighs> I don't want to start picking apart films. I mean, I don't know, you know, and and Bernice and I'm sure Manny would have a much better scope on it. But what I can say is that there have been episodes where they did use some real and it changed the whole dynamic. And I'll refer to it by saying like like Training Day, you know, Training Day. They got, the reason that film did so well in so many ways, there's a lot of pieces. Denzel's a fantastic actor, but... They utilized, they went to real places and used people from those communities and cast them, gave them opportunities, with part speaking roles, and they got it right. And I think that that's not done a lot. And I think that when you start developing scripted stuff like a Boys in the Hood, you start playing in that field. And I think the more, the, the more authentic people that you can put into these films, the more authentic the film's going to be. Right. And so Manny was doing something. He was filling that void for a while. And they started casting appropriately, I felt like, and we started getting better representation. Well, I noticed that Bernice, right away, as I started scrolling her page, she was bringing our gente into Hollywood and positioning and offering them up saying, why not? Why not? We, we have plenty of talent here. We have actors that are even trained actors from the, that, that bring something that you can't duplicate and you can't learn. And as soon as I saw it, I think... What I want to say, and I want to be clear, Juman, and I'm not meaning to drag on, Juman. No, no. But what I want to say to be clear more than anything, and I want to say this now was, yes, I don't know the inner workings of what she's doing. I get where she's going with this, but what I'm, what I'm so attracted to what you're doing is that you're in the same plight as I am, and that's we have something to offer as a whole. And yes, we fit into... Hollywood, we fit into politics, we fit into seats and positions, we fit into our, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have all that, man. Don't overlook us, and that's all we've gotten. So it's about us taking it up and making it happen ourselves. For sure. If we're not going to have a casting director that's going to see it like that, well, maybe that's my calling to be that casting director. I know that. Um, and when I say we're in the same plight, as you probably know a little bit about our background, like, you know... Chuman's a screenplay writer and an attorney. I've been in apparel. Together, we've we've created. We have some documentaries we're producing. We're producing a TV show. We have this podcast we do, and we're working on another documentary. And these are all with people like Maria Soto, Esteban Oreo, like Lepke, Frank DeMarco. Like all of us are working together, and we feel like those stories have never been told, mm -hmm. and they haven't been told right, and they haven't been documented right. And I'll even go a step further. 
we're documenting the truth with the real guys. And I think that we have a lot to offer. And with that big, long speech I just gave, you know, I see you and you're coming and you're a female who's stepping into this and handling your business. And I I just, I love what you're about. Like, I want to support you in everything that you're doing because I believe in what you're doing. Thank you. So, so kind of, that's where it stands. That's where we're at. So we're all on the same, same team. Everybody got it clear now? (laughs) Got it clear now. So don't get it fucked up. Don't get it fucked up. I hope (laughs) I cleared up now. So take us back. Give us a little history on you. Yeah. Prior to this. Like, yeah. Where did you yeah. come from? Where did you grow up? And how did you find your way to where you're at today? Give us that. Okay. So, um, born and raised actually in the heart of Hollywood. And yeah. um, and what is the heart of Hollywood for people so who don't know? So, like Hollywood, Western, you know, yeah. Hollywood and Highland. Those were my stomping grounds. Did you ever see Lepke High walking around down there? <laughs> um, not in Hollywood, but mm. I was down more in the Skid Row area when mm. I did meet Lepke. And right. that was because of the circumstances that um, the person I was also involved with was... Um, in that situation so you know when a girl and i'm gonna say a girl tries to save a man they put themselves in different positions so um when you woman up then you realize that you really can't change anybody but yourself right so um that's, that's where interesting hold on a second woman up that's man, <laughs> on, manning up and warming up hold on. so first how old were you when you came to understand that I can't save a guy? You know what? Um, I wish I could have learned that at a much younger age, but I was 27 years old. You that's know. young. That That's still young. <laughs> that's young. Right. So that was just yesterday, right? Because you're 27. <laughs> she's still. 31 today. So. She's 28. <laughs> no, but no. going back to that, where did you pick that up that you that a woman could save a guy? Um, You know, I think that because in the culture that we are raised in, right, like the women are known to stick to your partner, be loyal, you write it out, you, you know, you just stay with them 100%. And not only the culture and seeing the women that I was raised by, but then you go into the gang culture and then you're, you know, you're taught loyalty. You're taught, you know, that Bonnie and Clyde mentality, you ride yeah. or die. Yeah. And so therefore, you know, you put yourself through a lot of trauma and um, situations that not only affect you like in an emotional state, but then it starts, you know, draining you spiritually, mentally, physically. And, um, you know, and we are taught like you stick to it, you know, and you remain. But and I think that's where the difficult part is walking away because you don't want to feel like, oh, I gave up on someone I claim to care about Mm -hmm. or, oh, I don't want to give up because what if something worse happens or, you know, you don't want to kill. Right. You know, and you don't want to carry that guilt or that, you know, just that heavy weight of like, well, you're the one in your right mind. Why couldn't you stick around longer? Mm -hmm. And the thing is that you staying in a situation like that is not you being in your right mind. That just proves that you're also broken. You right. Know, Meanwhile, you're staying loyal to somebody, but you're not being loyal to yourself. To myself, correct. Right. So, <clears throat> uh, what were your parents like? Like, you're a little girl. Like, at, so your parents have that ride or die relationship? 
Well, see, my mom and my dad, both immigrants, my dad's Salvadorian, my mom Mexican. Um, her first husband was an alcoholic, you know, till mm-hmm. he died. So, I mean. Till he that, died. Till he died. That's a yeah. real alcoholic. So, yeah. So, he, he passed away. And then, you know, she met my dad. And my dad was, quote, unquote, a functional alcoholic. So, mm-hmm. it's not like he beat her and he was at home. Like, he was the type to drink all night and then be up at five in the morning and go provide. Right. You know? So, it became the norm. And as long as a man got up and provided, then he wasn't a loser, right? right. So um, You couldn't say anything. Right. He was doing what he was supposed, supposed to, do. to do. Right. By the way, Jewel702 says that you are her neighbor or his neighbor. Do you know who that is? Jewel, I probably do. I have to see the face unless yeah, there's a different Instagram. <laughs> we don't have time for that. No, yeah. Okay, so um, you grow up, you have um, sort of that type of relationship being modeled for you, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then um, and then for you in culturally or whatever, your peers or whatever, you're growing up in that area. And then so you become loyal to your friends or your or your boyfriends or how did that work? I become loyal to I'm going to say like the family business. Right. Because I have brothers and I'm the only sister Um, growing up. I have, you know, stepsisters but i wasn't allowed to be raised with them because i was the black sheep and i was the one going down the right wrong path this is a different mom you know like my dad remarried wait a second yeah (laughs) what path were you when when was it that it was like ah shit bernice you're fucked up you cannot hang out with the good kids what were you doing so i think um my self-destruction became at the age of 13 um i started going being in, in hollywood and you know, with the homies and getting that quote unquote unconditional love and acceptance. And um, and I found and I found the love in a male. Right. With the homies, because at that time, my older brothers, I one of my oldest brothers is 10 years older and then 14 years older. So they were already in and out of institutions, mm. placements, juvenile mm. halls. So and then dad left at the age of six, not far, but he left and you know so the abandonment issues like the daddy issues that people call and all that stuff so when you gravitate to a group of males that embrace you you know not even in a sexual way but in embrace you you're like hey these are like my brothers and i feel safe and then you become loyal to that because you don't want to lose that you already felt the what it is Mm. like to be neglected or to be left or you know someone absent in your home so you it's easily uh, manipulated to where, you know, hey, like, we have your back. It's an unconditional love, you know. and But there's a price to pay. Of course. You know, there's always a price. I, I don't believe there's anything free in this world um, except love, you know, if you really are giving it that way, you know. But um, there is always something to pay. Like, what is it that you bring to the hood? Like, what is it that you could put in work in? Like, what? And, you know, like, that whole unconditional word it, i believe it's very conditional if, it's, yeah it's you know, all conditional yeah you know yeah. and, and everything's got conditions to yeah it. and if you don't bring anything to the table i mean you're replaceable you're right you're no you ain't different. gonna be at the table right so, so let me ask you this um and just in a super vulnerable way if you can because you know we deal a lot with male and young man issues on the show mm-hmm. but for a girl who's six years old what does a girl who's six years old, what does she go through when her father leaves the house? Oh, man, it's an absence that is 
unexplainable. Like, how do you say that you are there as my protector, as the one to love me, my first love, and then you walk away from a family like nothing, you know? And I think, um, you know, now understanding the motives of, like, Pops, right? Like his. Wait, 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 wait. Let's not rehabilitate. No, no, no. Let's. No, let's, no. I want to saying... know because I have a daughter. She's one. Right. Right. And I see how she looks at me. Like when I come. Well, home I mean, from you're work... her first love. You're the first man in her life. So imagine just walking away from that. You give a sense to a girl that anybody's able to do that. So then this boundary comes you know and then you protect yourself and it came to the point where that innocent little girl didn't exist no more because i had to protect my feelings right. i couldn't allow dad giving me false promises oh, i'm gonna show up to this and then uh, not show up or oh, i'm gonna come pick happen? you up often and here's the ironic thing about that my dad it's not like he relocated to like a different state or anything this you know my dad moved from apartment nine away. no not even apartment oh, really? nine and he Relocated to apartment three. And then he would say, I'm going to show up on I'm this I'm going to show day. up to your school and, he would and wouldn't. You know, and, and a lot of it was his drinking. A lot of it was Right, his but didn't you stuff. go through the thoughts of like, even though you like, because listen, we do, we're all in recovery. A lot of us are in recovery and we've right. gone through a lot of stuff. And I really don't like paying short shrift to mm-hmm. what children really go through. Go through right. Right. So while we understand there was reasons why he couldn't make retrospectively, it, right? But at the time, I mean, did you ever have the sense of like, don't you love me more than fucking drink or? Oh, whatever? of course, of mm-hmm. course. That's always. I think that's primarily one of the resentments I held for a long time. Like, how is it that I have to compete with the bottle, or I have to compete with a woman, or I have to compete with a separate family? Like, right. I came before all that. You know, and did he get um, a separate family? Yes, he did. Did he act differently with that separate family? Um, at times, yeah. And is, you were like, "That's fucked up." Yeah, and but see, here's the thing: like the way I viewed it from the outside looking in, I believed he was different just by having a dad and a mom in the same home. I already resented my right. siblings. You know, like how is it that you're entitled to right. have that and not I? You know, right. so it caused you know a lot of um self-esteem and self-worth issues mm-hmm. where i'm like am i not good enough like for my own dad to like give a fuck about sure. me right or yeah. whatever you know so you start having self-doubt you start saying like you know if what about if if it was me it's my fault like why did he leave you know so you start questioning a lot and you start self-doubting and that's yeah. where you know i believe my self-destructiveness as like getting into unhealthy relationships came about because i was seeking the dad i that left you know and these older men that i was in relationships with you know and um and you know you end up seeking something and go chasing for something that you're not gonna find yeah it's a fantasy it's a fantasy it's like you know gangbanging you chase after something that really is not gonna lead you anywhere right you know so um you know that's true what you say because so many of the guys that i know they love the movie scarface but like the end of that movie is not a happy ending right that ending is he dies, mm-hmm. right? It's not going anywhere. But There's- see, that's uh, as fucked up as it is. Like our society claims that if a man dies that way, there's pride behind it. There's like some type of, I don't know, like honor, you know. But I think that 
death um, in certain ways. Like it depends on on what legacy you leave, you know, when you die. Like what is the impact that you leave? And everybody glorifies, you know, like the Scarface and all that stuff. But, you know, there's damage and like community trauma, generational sure. trauma that come with it. You know, but this, and, and, and you know what? It, well, you said a lot of good things. Yeah, I couldn't help but listen. Now, listen, with the exception of starting a new family, like brothers and sisters and stuff, that didn't happen for me. But in walking away from my family, you know, get asking for a divorce from a from a fantastic woman that only stood by me, walked out of that, son and daughter, um, and and then my daughter uh, having to 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 so many times I'm gonna clean up, I'm gonna do good, I'm gonna and then I'm in a fucking treatment center, I'm in a fucking here, I'm gonna go to prison. How like, hard is that over and over with my kids, bro. How hard is that, Steve? What? How hard is it when you see like your daughter and she's looking at you and you've messed up and she knows it and you know it and you're trying to make promises to her. Is that how how hard is it? You just need to get you need more you need more uh substance in you to get through it. Man. You just got to stay loaded to to keep that at bay, or it's going to consume you. So you ain't going to stop using when your life's in that. For me, when my life's in that many shambles, I can't breathe. So I have to be able to have a buffer. But Damn. you know, you know, up to the point where my daughter had to cut my ass off, man. Mm-hmm. At uh, you know, at eleventh grade in high school, and I didn't speak to my daughter for three and a half years. I think she didn't. She told I tried to text her. She was like. Don't, do not text me. Right. I'll I'll contact you when I'm ready. And I get a, a I get a letter from her three and a half years later after I'm sober a year and a half. And the letter, as I begin to read it, I start crying Ugh. because the the letter yeah. that I'm reading is coming from a woman who's in her last year of college, who because I couldn't protect her and teach her and have her back, she had to do it herself. And mm-hmm. that's who I was talking to. And I had missed this going from little girl to adult. I'd missed that whole thing. And I couldn't help with what you're talking about and the feelings that you say you have. I'm like, fuck, man. My daughter had probably all those fucking feelings. And at the time, bro, I'm, you're not, I wasn't thinking about that, man. Right. At the time, I can't think down that far that mm. here's the, the drop and the ripple effects of what this is going to happen. Now, today, I have this amazing relationship with my daughter. It's awesome. it's the most important relationship next to God is my daughter. She makes me a better. All these gifts I never knew that my relationship with the daughter could have. And right. she's my ride or die, you know. And, um, you know, we, we, we just perspective. And look, you, we, we look back and we don't know these things why we're doing them. You know, right. you know? Well, while I'm listening to the both of you. And I'm thinking about my daughter, and I and <clears throat> on the one hand, I understand like obviously a parent or a father has to be in his child or daughter's life, and that's important. And can, so I'm not thinking that I'm gonna artificially like abandon her. So she, but I am also hearing that your daughter Steve and you Bernice did develop some strength because. You got the message early on that if you're not going to do it for yourself, it's probably not going to happen. So sometimes when I'm putting that extra energy into my daughter, I sometimes think like, how am I going to also convey to her? Like there's times where I leave to work and she starts crying, right? She's like one. She doesn't understand that dad's got to go to work in order to fucking bring home some fucking, you know, falafel so everybody can eat. (laughs) 
So she cries, but it, when she cries, it's like she thinks I'm never coming back. Right. And then at some point, I'm like, God, I have to give her the message that life's a tough fucking road. And you can't be, you, at some point, you got to realize, even if you have loving parents, that you got to do for yourself. Otherwise, because I got a lot of friends who have parents that are in their lives that do a lot of shit, and they can't do anything for themselves. So where's the balance? Mm. Right. You, you, you know what? And, and I just want to say, I mean, eventually, I'll get you conversations with God. But there's a big part in this book where it talks about your children. And supposedly, under my belief and understanding this book, he's dictating what God's saying. And, God, and, and there's a part of the book where he's like, the best thing you can do is let your kid fend for yourself. Their mm -hmm. That's the most love as a parent that you can be. Yeah. Because anything else is hindering them from making it on this planet. The sooner Correct. they understand that you're not going to always be. Okay. So we take that. Okay. Right. And there's, and there's boundaries within that. Right. But what I will say is this, and I can't speak for Bernice, but I have a good idea. Go ahead. But I'll speak for my daughter. Please. My daughter went and got her own school loans. She went and looked at her own school. She went, she did all this, man. And she graduated from, University of Alabama, Roll Tide, as a teacher. Now she's here with her teaching events, so she does her own thing. She travels. I don't know that my daughter would be like that stealth and powerful and strong without going. Like, and I'm not trying to say that what I did was right or, or planned no. or no, thought no, out. at right. all. Right. I'm just saying because I have a son, right? Right. That he didn't get that rough. Like he. Me and his mom were like constantly saving. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and my son's got some of what I got, and he, he's 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 doing great today, and he's working through things. My daughter is built differently, and she had it harder in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I want it, and I want to turn that over to you, Bernice, because in no way do I at all am I at all trying to rub over or smooth over you what. What do you think? Like, there's a piece of all of what you just said yeah. that makes you who you lot, are. Yeah. There's no fucking way that you would be doing and running shit like you are without these experiences. Is that true for you? Is oh, that I, true for you? I a hundred percent believe that. Um, you know, I even live by a quote that says, "Like, turn your test into your testimony and your mess into your message." You know why? Because I see it, and even though I was dealt the cards that I was dealt with. There, I had like now I could see and I could say, man, there's been kids who've been orphans who have right. nobody. I right. mean, at least I had a mom who stood by me, and um, and you know, I'll say, um, with no hesitation, no shame, that her faith that was installed in me, you know, her believing God, um, allowed me to be in this um strength position, even if I didn't understand why this God that my mom, you know, loves so much, you know, allowed this pain, this trauma, this hurt, like why, why, why? And today I even have like a video on my Instagram that I talk about the bigger picture, you know, um, all this has prepared me and led me to be able to, in quote unquote with me, say I'm tough and not saying that I'm unbreakable, but at to a certain point, if I've already lived hell on earth, like what else more can I, you know, 
know, right. be complaining about or endure, you know. So therefore, I feel that everything gave me that tough skin. And my mom, you know, she had to provide. She had to do it. So I had to be home with my six-year-old brother, you know, learn how to cook, iron, go do laundry, mm-hmm. pay the bills. My mom didn't know the language, so I had to translate for her. Right. So, you know, yeah. therefore, yeah. it was like, you know, I became a young adult at a little kid age, you know. All so right. Forced um, to grow up. Right. And I think that it depends really on how the perception that you take on life, right? Because there's people that could go downhill and say, man, like my life is shit and like there's no point to it. And boom, like and they end up there. And then there's people that are like, you know what? I'm not the first or the last in this situation. Like, that's unfortunate, but I'm not, you know? And so what can I do? I can't sit there and be the victim of my parents' mistakes or their own unhealed trauma and then I gotta continue it and even though at some point I did continue it there's a time where you're like man I can't hide behind the fact that oh I'm gonna keep being this victim oh I didn't have my dad I didn't have this I I cannot listen you guys are you fucking listening to this fucking show like fucking clear out your your earbuds right she's talking about the fucking narrative your fucking narrative right every single human being has their own fucking theme song going on in their head right and it's either the narrative of the victim Mm. right Mm. either you can be a fucking victim and all this shit puts you in this place or you're not or you're gonna fucking grow up and be accountable take responsibility for your motherfucking ass. Well, who came to this fucking planet alone. Mm, mm, and, right. and because I don't care how many kids, parents, loved ones, great friends I surround myself, th- nobody is going to fucking do it for me, bro. Nobody's going right. to pick me up off the ground and save my motherfucking ass except me. Well, right? you know? Yeah. And just the fact that you're just talking about it's like as a woman, it's refreshing. Dude, Listen, man, dude, it's narrative. are you married, you're Bernice? Are you married? Shit. I am married. All right. Does your married. husband? You got your husband on the? I mean, does he? He's like he can't. He can't complain to you, right? He can't just be like, hey, Bernice, I don't like my job. I gotta fucking hit some forty hours. You tell him, like, fucking man up. What no, do you mean? And you know what? I I will give credit where credit is due. I think that you know God places two strong people together. My husband did you know twelve years in prison, and mm. he was sentenced. You know at a very young age left his like youth out on the streets and mm. when he came home i mean just within he's only been home for a year and a half and within the first year you know he's an entrepreneur he's a businessman he's came and stepped in all the way so i think you make what you make out of what your circumstances like i hear all these people are like oh when i come out i'm gonna change no the change starts within the change starts in your mind you could relocate wherever the fuck you want in the world yeah. but you carry you wherever you go so yeah. where is the the rehabilitation of your own like where do you when do you start loving you you know when do you start putting you first in in accountability like you know you said as far as like i can't keep being this product and hiding behind the product of my environment the product of my lifestyle the product of like i cannot so i so i'm really i don't go easy on like people that are like oh poor me because it's like we all have a story we all have pain but what is it you do with that all right so so at some point, Bernice, Berenice, however the fuck you want to say it, right? You had to make a change, right? You're telling us all about some, you know, you got some. So where were you at, right? And then how do you, how did you stop blaming? And then 
how did you say, fuck it, I'm going to become a casting director? For real. <laughs> for real, for real. So, um, it, ironically, I got into um, substance abuse counseling, like, as far as not because I was the addict, but I wasn't the addict of substances. I was the addict of the lifestyle, right? Like, I, I like the, the chase of pain and then feeling, like, bad for myself, and then you mm-hmm. come console me type shit, you know? So, the it drama. was a repetitive. Yeah, it was you repetitive. You like Yeah, you know, and, and I think that growing up, the way I grew up, it was like, well, that's all I knew, so why wouldn't I want that? You know? I don't know. But, Some people know it, and they don't want it. What is right. it about you that likes it? Um, well, at that point, it was like I felt that was the only time the attention was on me. Oh, you know, okay. so if all I right. act out, right. then you know I'm I'm gonna get the attention. It's like a little kid. If if he doesn't act out or whatever, then you kind of mind his own business, whatever. But if he acts out, your your attention is directed to that kid. You know, and it's like, hey, what the? Heck? So he got what he wanted. He wanted attention. Some most of these kids act out because they want attention, nothing else. But you know, with me, where it came about was um, like just seeing the strongest woman in my life which was my mother become so fragile so weak when she got sick with um you know kidney um disease and diabetes and here's this lady that at not once did she complain not once did she not want to get up to go to work not once and she did everything she did for us to provide for you know and even I became a mom early age in my life. I became How old a, were you? I was 15 years old. When wow. you were a mom? Yes. I had my son, my right first on. son at 15. All right. Then I had my daughter at 19. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, a teen. What's it like? Kid having times. a kid. Hey, kid oh, having a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah, but, yeah, it, but you very, know what? Listen, I'm not advocating 15-year-olds to have children. But I just had the baby now at the age that I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I can see a kind of sense to being young enough to have energy and, and not enough foresight for worry that it might make sense to have kids like in your young. 20s, yeah. young, right? Uh, Get it I all did. over. Yeah. And yeah. then by the time you're 40, they're already grown up and yeah, everything, right? Yeah, and now yeah. you can. I agree with that. So, so what is it like to be 15 years old and have a baby? So does that mean Man, it's, were you pregnant in 14? Um, well, actually, my son was premature, so I was pregnant 15, and I had him at 15, so I didn't really get to cross over the whole nine months. I had my son when I was only six months pregnant, uh-huh. so he was, was a preemie it baby. It C-section? Was, no, it was regular. Natural. Natural birth. Um, he was two pounds oh. um, in oh, the wow. NICU. Yeah. And, um, you How know. How does it feel to be, like, you're a young mother? How does that feel? Take us through those emotions. You know, it feels like your whole life is like on hold for this like little person and in the midst of it you're still trying to figure out who you are where are you you know where are you going you still want to be a teenager you still want to have a teenage life but then you have to be responsible right so then it's like okay and then what became even harder is at 15 nobody's hiring so i'm you know i have to wait 16 years old to at least get something like at you know somewhere so at that time i knew what i do what i know how to do you know i commit fraud i I sell dope (laughs) i do whatever what's young mother fraud look like is that like Fake checks or like what is that? Yeah, credit card fraud. <laughs> you know, <laughs> fake checks. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always been savvy with technology, so it became like, how do I hack into people's stuff? Like, how can I embezzle things? Hey, hold you on, know? let me change. This. Yeah. Let, me change yeah. let, me, let me change the password on my computer. <laughs> no, but you know, it, so it becomes like all these things, and then not only that, but then it's like. 
do I tell my friends or I don't tell my friends because then you know these this the criticizing and then uh-huh. you feel even some shame for like your family right like your mom because she's doing everything she has to do but then you know you kind of disappoint her in like right. what the hell where did I go wrong but you know what I say this also is I don't blame my mother for being a teen mom like I it's not like she was um, quiet about you know safe sex she was very open about that she had very open communication now i did what i did and i was just stupid you know and and i ended up pregnant you know and um so at that time i didn't comprehend that i had to make a different transition at that point so when i had my son i was still on the block still pushing up in a stroller like trying to gangbang you know like dodging bullets pushing strollers you know (laughs) and i'm thinking in my mentality my 15 year old active ass right i'm thinking well i have a son i'm gonna raise them to be like also like hood and and survive mode you know right you know Mm -hmm. and you like you fantasize about this shit and then when you realize like how crucial and how detrimental losing a son or a daughter to that life could be you're like what the hell am i doing you know and again um you know at 19 then becoming a mom at 19 you would think all right you got two kids like slow the hell down you know and then that was a different type of trauma because the the unhealthy relationships right so now i'm with a five-year-old and a newborn walking down skid row looking for my daughter's father because he took off with my car or like my money or whatever and so then i'm exposing my kids to that and then you know and that's a whole different type of trauma and you know sometimes even walking into my own house and and having him like OD'd or something and then right. I'm like oh like you know and and then having the neighbor to like watch my kids because the paramedics are coming and I don't right. want nothing to happen this is real right. shit you know? cycles so this is real. on and, and on and on yeah but this is real shit I yeah. mean this is actually real and, shit and it, and it happens and I think like even with all that like you're still trying to find yourself like i was still trying to find myself because everything came to a complete stop like okay well i had to leave my high school i had to go to like home studies because i was a liability to my high school because i was out there gangbanging on campus you know and they didn't want to be responsible then you know so having to associate with an other teen moms but that didn't know the lifestyle i had so it kind of like was like no i don't belong here and then just you know, having to provide and even though my mom said, just stay in school, I got this, you know, but stay in school, stay in school. I felt like I felt like a piece of shit not bringing anything home to provide for my kid, you know. Right. So even if it was stolen shit, like I wanted to bring something home, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and that's where, you know, things started where I wanted to understand um, my partner at the time of like, why is the needle more important than your family or why and it became like i had to relive the trauma as a kid with my own dad of course right and so i wanted to prevent that from my own daughter right and so therefore it's like how can i save him so she could have a better life how can i do this so she could you know and in the midst of it i lost me completely i stopped Mm -hmm. hanging out with even some of my own family members some of my best friends so because that became my world like how do i save this person so i could have something better that i fantasize about right so so this is a very interesting point that you're bringing up you're saying like look my personal father chose something over me right and not cut me deep now i've got a little girl mm-hmm. and she's got a dad right and it's up to me right now to prevent what happened to me 
happening to her. Right. And that is, on the one hand, at the surface level, it's a noble endeavor because it's like you're trying to do something pr- like good for your, your daughter. The right. flip side is you're coming to grips with the fact that maybe it's actually better mm-hmm. that a parent isn't in the life of a child. As damaging as that is, mm-hmm. if this person that's constantly with the needle, maybe it's better. And while... <laughs> Your daughter might not understand that. That's another, that's a development, that's an advancement of the journey you're going through. Correct. That maybe it was better, as bad as it was, that my dad moved on because Mm -hmm. he was drinking or whatever he was doing. Right. So you're learning uh, a much more complicated, much more adult lesson. Right. And, you know, I had my brother who, after 14 years, came out of prison and um, they deported him to TJ. And I went to TJ one of those days and he had heard through the grapevine, like how I was being treated, the stuff that I was doing. And I never brought it up to the attention of my brothers because, you know, as a brother and in that lifestyle, you want to go and kick somebody's ass. And and why? If I knew I wasn't going to leave, you know, so why am I going to cause that? So when he came out, one thing that sat with me and he said, you don't have to answer me right now, but I want to ask you something and let that shit marinate and i said what and he's like do you prefer a broken home or a broken family like what do you hmm. prefer and wow. i didn't and i wow. didn't comprehend that you know and i yeah. was like huh you know and so a week later i went back to tj and because i would take him groceries and stuff and i sat with him and i said can you elaborate on like what the hell you because I've been thinking and to me it's the same thing right like in my mind and he's like well it's not like a broken home you're in the same home but you're at it cats and dogs you're trying to do that and you're exposing the kids to something but broken family yeah you live separately you're still a family but you're in a separate situation so so it's not there you know and so that hit where it was like you know what Now I understood why my mom was so adamant about not going back the last time, you know, because we were growing up, we were seeing more things as, you know, we were being more woke about things. And the last thing she wanted was for us to have any type of like hate towards my dad, you know. And one thing I do thank my mom was she never talked down about that man. She never like put insult in him. She never took the ability of him being a father to us. She always made sure that, you know, if you do want to come pick them up, let me know. She carried herself like a true woman. She right. never used us as a weapon towards my dad. And when I was in that same situation with my daughter, um, Till this day, I'm in that situation. And with my my son's father, when he came back into his life after eight years, I wasn't like, well, where's all that child support? And why? Like, I never. I just said, I am glad that you are back. I don't give a shit about your money because I got this. But create some memories, create some quality time with these kids, because this is what's going to stay forever. I don't give a shit how much money you give a kid or how much materialistic shit. That doesn't mean anything. If there's no quality time, nothing like a good memory, a good conversation, a good moment with that parent. You. That's why. As jacked up as it sounds, you see all these little rich kids, you know, being all destructive and shit because, yeah, you have everything, but you don't have what's important, which is the attention, which Uh, is the quality time. I've worked with a lot of like super rich kids, right, Mm -hmm. in in, in chemical addiction and a lot more problems than that. And, And when I sit down and I ask them, like, you know, what was the most like, what kind of good shit did you get? And they're like, man, most of these dudes are like... I can't even remember, man. It was so much shit to go, but I don't even remember. 
And and I go, what do you remember? They're like, I remember when my dad one time came to this baseball game that I played at, or showed up at this little graduate. Like that's the stuff. And they were getting cars and and all these crazy trips. Right. And what they remember is time spent mm-hmm. with that when they had that individual's attention. Right. That's what sticks, you know. And it's 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 crazy, man. And and you know what? God bless you. Most. Yeah. Most relationships that I know about, that I've watched, kids are getting played by as pawns. Mm-hmm. It's not about the kids. That's the whole problem. It's nobody's thing about the kids. It's their the adults hangups with what they got. Right. And my ex-wife, um, who's a saint, Jessica, she's like my one of my best friends. She uh, she had every right to hate my guts if a woman had a right to hate and want to play games and fucking be evil she did not once bro not once. she never kept me even when i was a complete mess out of my mind she's like you can come over here you mm-hmm. my kids ain't getting in no car you're not going over but right. you come the doors are spend you can sleep on the couch here with the kids you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and never ever once she brought my where i had left her divorced her and she brought my kids up every month to see me in, in prison. You know, she never stopped, never talked bad, and and um, and and I think that 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 in itself, demonstrating that in itself, changes the dynamics of how your kids are going to be. Oh, of course. I mean, it came to the point, and I know that people don't hear this often, but. Like with my son's dad, when he came back into the picture, I was already moved on. I was with my daughter's dad. And um, I remember his new partner, when they would get into it, like she would call me and was like, dude, like this guy don't listen to Can You talk to him. And I'd be like, all right, put him on the phone. And right. I'd be like, hey, man, like chill with her. Like if there's somebody putting up with shit, like it's her, like relax. And, and he, I'm like, look, how about this weekend? You come over, we all have like a barbecue or something. So my son's dad used to come over, mm-hmm. congregate with my daughter's dad. And like, I was never the type to like shut the door on like his new partner or anything like that. Because one, it was a behavior that I also saw my mom do, right? So she never pushed mm-hmm. anybody away. But I understood that I did a better service to my kids being mature in that way instead of them feeling like, well, should I talk about my dad around yep. this, that, yep. that? Or yep. should I do this? Yep. Should I do that? And then you beca- you start installing more stress on them that they even don't need. Exactly. So, like, I was... You know, and then after when I separated myself from my daughter's dad, I remember having my son's dad before he passed away, rest in peace, like telling me like, man, you should give him a chance. Like he's a good dude. And I'm like, dude, like you guys co-sign each other's shit because you guys are on the same boat, you know, but like I had to do better for myself. Like it's not that he's a bad man. It's just that I can't compete with drugs. I can't compete with that lifestyle. I need to separate myself from that and and do and expose my kids to something better and now when he gets his shit together and he's good then he knows the doors are open he knows what number to call he knows where i'll recite like and and he his kids will always be you know there and 
that's something that I take pride in fully because I've never had to be that type to, you know, play chess with my kid. Oh, here, I'm going to make this move because that's going to hurt him. What people don't understand, these women don't understand, is that you cause more damage to that kid than anybody else. Right. You know, and like I refuse. I mean, as already the lifestyle that I already provided for my kids, I thought they were already enough pain. So why am I going to do that extra to them? You know, because he don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) The guy, you know, there's a lot of women out there that are pretty upset about uh, they put in all this work on the kids. I've talked to some of them, and they're like, now he wants to show up when it's easy. But it takes two to be to oh, have yeah, kids, man. and and if one doesn't step up, then guess what? It's your job to be a woman, you know grab yourself, and, hey, and listen, raise these kids. You I'm know? not trying to take the opposite position at all. But and I talked to my wife, right, and 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 she had the baby. And and I put in a lot of work too. I mean, I'm hearing all that other kind of stuff. And even when you got an active father, there's a limit as to how much a dad can do <laughs> when the baby goes from just one single cell all the way to coming out the uterus. That's the whole thing. Right. And then that first year, right? I mean, what can I do? I can change the diaper. But, I mean, when the baby's crying and it wants the breast milk, and my wife was all about the natural breast milk shit, she would not have any formula near that baby, Mm -hmm. right? That's why my baby is 25 pounds and 6 feet (laughs) 2. Anyway, (laughs) but the point is, is, right, and and I work, I support her, I support the baby, I'm doing all that stuff, right? Right. But all of that still doesn't quite measure up to what my wife's got to go through. She hasn't had a full night's sleep probably in about a year and a half, two mm-hmm. years, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. Do you disagree with any of that so far that I've said, Bernie? No. Okay, so <laughs> I'm a man. I understand that I have to have a, you know, an actual person who's gone through the, through the process validate what I'm saying. Right. All right. I'm not trying to speak for women because right? no. I know I can't do that. I don't no, have ovaries. No. I don't have breasts. All right, thank you. Yeah. Now, so breath. you got a little breast. I got some. I got some breast, <laughs> and it confuses my daughter. It does. <laughs> she sees Chichi. No, she's my my little girl Tigra. When I carry her and I got the um, tank top yeah. on, <laughs> no, she, she sticks her hand down my yeah. shirt like she does the mama, and she grabs my peck, and she's yeah. like, and then she look, and then when my shirt that thing's empty, what yeah. The hell? <laughs> When she looks at me, and like if I have my shirt off, and she looks at my breast, like she looks at it, and she's like, she, and she does, she gets a confused look like, on her face. What are those fucking things? Like, what are you trying to do with that? Is this a yeah. fucking joke? Where's the fucking food in those things? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bring me the bottles. Sometimes she points at it, and she's oh, like, "We taught her. We're doing the baby sign language, so we taught her what." Which is like you take your hands and go like this. She's pointed at my breast. She's pointed at me and went like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. What the yeah, fuck yeah, is that?" Yeah, yeah. So, wow. so that's that's a dad that's involved, right? Okay, and then you have a dad that's not involved. So sometimes when I talk to women, they say it's really fucked up because why? At the time the kids five, six, seven, it's not easy. But it's a lot easier than it was when the baby was one or two. Correct. And I needed the most help back then. Now this motherfucker wants to show up and fucking coast, and he's a hero to the five to six year old. Why? Yeah. Because he came back, and because he doesn't have to discipline. 
right? When right. you're the mom and right. you got to tell the kid, like, I'm sorry. But no. Right. Yeah, right? When then happy dad shows up for, like, Saturday. Yeah. And it's all... Oh, so oh, let, me, let me elaborate on Do that it. because um, I remember years of therapy and self-work. Um, Go ahead. I asked, I, and my mom never understood because she would be like, well, you always get so happy like, when your dad's around and I'm the one here busting my ass, right? right. And, and then... That became my mindset when, like, my daughter, you know, sees her dad and is like, "There's nothing wrong with this man," you know. And <laughs> and then I would, and I asked my therapist, and I was like, "Why is it that it's like this?" You know, if I'm the one there, and she said, "That's exactly the reason." When you have an absent parent come back into the home. All you could do for that kid, even though they might be resentful or whatever, mm -hmm. all they want to do at that point is embrace because they don't know how long this person is going to be around. Mm -hmm. So why am I going to be resentful? Why am I going to act like a jerk ass kid? Why am I? I'm just going to embrace because at least I know one parent's not going anywhere. So I could treat mom however. And she already showed me that she's not going nowhere. She's there. She's stable. She's whatever. I know and then, that's mature. <laughs> what you're saying is mature, but it still doesn't sound right to me. No, it doesn't. But in a child's mentality, I think that if you do go that hard on a parent and then they don't come back, then there you sit again with like, did I do something wrong? Which they did not do anything wrong. But I think like, at least for me, when the times I got to see my dad, that hurt or that hate would go away because I just wanted my dad. Right. You know? Right. And um and I knew that mom's was there no matter what. So I felt I guess like the freedom of, well, you know, I could be real with my mom and she's not gonna go anywhere. Right. With my even now living it with my daughter, there's times my daughter has some heartfelt moments she wants to tell her dad and she will tell me, I don't want to hurt my dad. I don't want him to go back on drugs. I don't want him to and the thing is like why should you be sensitive to this man's feelings? Right. You know, like God but damn. but I I get like where her thinking is and it's jacked up. But a lot of kids do think that way. Right. Like, I could only Perfect. love because if I don't and they're gone or they leave again, I lost that chance of loving or having some yeah, type they're of They're kind of held snack. hostage by it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Bernice, did you have a nickname or, um, uh, I don't know, did you, what was your, did you have a hood name or a nickname? Yeah. What was it? Come on. Well, my brothers gave me the nickname of Snapper. <laughs> snapper, <laughs> yeah. Why? It's your snap on. What was the? Uh, yeah. Why, yeah. What was the reason they called you? You know, snapper? it's funny because despite of all of my brothers and all the stuff, I'm the easiest. Like I'm the easiest triggered. Like I felt I had so much rage and everything that if my brothers just looked at me and gave me a signal like to go beat someone, like I was on it because I had so much anger to take out that i was like hell yeah like this is how you i'm gonna beat take up a it. guy you ever you ever yes. fuck up a dude yes i have <laughs> you have fucked yes, up a dude. i have yes and do you find that there's now look you can just not answer i don't want you to snap on me but i'm just gonna <laughs> no. ask you hey do you have you found that there is a certain type of guy that's sexually attracted to you because you are a snapper <laughs> you know come on this, okay i'm gonna tell you it's it's gonna sound it's gonna sound crazy but mm -hmm. Um, the most 
unsecure and broken men sometimes are attracted to me as much as a man says they want an independent woman and all that shit yeah. when you do show them that they kind of flee but they want that so I, it's like <laughs> no, my wait, wife what? is right there with you <laughs> she's like i talked to all these guys they want an independent because before me she was kind of like a party girl, cocaine, god party night thing. She didn't want to get trapped with any dudes, and she was trying to find like a rich dude, that kind of chick, mm. right? All right, like whatever. A lot of you know, <laughs> Persian limos, or I don't know what the fuck. Oh. I don't ask too many questions. But anyway, she would th- be like, okay, you know, this is just a one night. We're gonna, and then she would say these guys would get sappy. And then when she was really independent, they would bother them. Mm-hmm. They would talk a big game. Mm-hmm. But then when my wife was like, cool, all right, let's go. And then they'd be texting her and she'd be like, hey, I thought I told you. Right. And then because she said, I thought I told you, they really wanted her. <laughs> like, because I guess because she seemed like not needy or something. I don't yeah. know. Is that true? Do you find yeah, that? Yeah, I find that a lot. And I think that, um, you know, there's a reason why... I'm married to the man I'm married. Like, uh, he he's attracted to that, but he knows how to handle that. To where okay, he doesn't what's feel... The he doesn't... Well, the thing is that you have to be confident in the fact that it's a unit. It's a partnership. I don't make him feel less of a man. And don't put me in a category where I'm supposed to be a woman barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen either. Like, give me that respect. Give me that to where I'm independent. I have a voice. I have my own opinions. I have my own mentality. And I make boss moves. And if you're okay with that, then let's build the empire if you cannot rock with that then i'm not gonna settle or drop down my standards to make you feel more of a man you should already be sure of what the hell you are as a man when you walk into a relationship and if you don't have that then sean sean you you're (laughs) nodding did your wife tell you you needed to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen (laughs) what what's going through your head you're nodding no that's just strong she yeah. knows what she wants. Yeah. All right, hold on a second. Now, let's just slow the fuck down. So, you're saying like, hey, I'm going to make some boss moves and da-da-da. Now, but listen, is there a kind of a guy, and don't bullshit me, Bernie. Okay. Don't you fucking bullshit me, snapper. <laughs> I won't. Snapper. Is there a kind of a guy that makes even bigger boss moves that might intimidate you? Um... Who are you and what kind of man and scares you? Know you know what? Yeah, I I haven't met that man. Oh! <laughs> I have not. You know, right. I have not. I think, um, you know, being around so much men in my life. Um, and then again, the woman who raised me, she taught me that you belong in every fucking setting. Don't you ever feel like you got to dumb down, stupid down. Like, you know, if people no. can't take you. No, but even in the intimidation realm, right? Like, yeah. I remember... I had to translate for my mom, right? Like, and she worked for artists. She was a housekeeper. And she, you know, she worked for like Michael Bergen, Tom Irwin, like all these guys. And I would go in there. And one of the things that maybe was intimidating, it wasn't so much because he was a powerful man, but he was a white man. Maybe that was the part where I was like, uh, you know, but her saying, like wait, like this person is no better than you. Like what, you know? And she always installed in me that, this person is no better. Money doesn't make a person more powerful or whatever. And even though they do, but the power is embedded in you, how you carry yourself, you're self-confident. And I've noticed that regardless in the setting I walk in, people want to like they turn and they're like, who is this person? You know, and right. I've heard actually the opposite. A lot of men tell me like, oh, you come off a little like intimidating or strong. Mm. But I walk into that room like 
I own that shit. Why? Because I do deserve to be there. And I do know what I bring to the table. And there's no one or anything that can make me feel that what I'm doing is less than. Like, there's no way in that. Mm. And the thing is that when a woman feels that way is because you allow yourself to feel that way. You are in control of your emotions and what people make you feel. So, period. so it's not the guy's fault. So you hear that? You hear that? Yep. It's not the guy's <laughs> fault that you feel intimidated. It's your fault that you... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but let me ask you this. What about intelligence? You get intimidated by intelligence and don't lie. Um, at some at some points, I will admit that there's other people that know more than me. Yeah. Um, but I think we're all in that same boat. And you would have to be a fool and not wise to not like you would be stupid to think that you know everything. Right. You know, so I think just in a setting and in a new setting, maybe it's like, okay, I don't wanna say anything that I might sound stupid or like not educated on. Yeah. So therefore I might I stay silent because I'd rather stay silent than speak and be really look like a fool. Yeah. You know, so um maybe that's where I'm like, okay, this is new to me. This is maybe a CEO of a, a corporation or something that I have no clue on how it's ran so yeah. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm at that level you know yet but let me learn from this person and then I could pick something up but to where I'm intimidated where I gotta flee the room or I don't wanna be in that setting no more never I've, I haven't felt that you know mm -hmm. and um, and I think like no one I don't know like to me I, I should I and I would suggest my women and my men, like, don't feel that you have something that other people don't have. If right. you haven't discovered that, then maybe that's where you got to do some internal work. But we all have something that we could bring to the table. And if you feel like someone in that room is better or whatever, then you got to really reflect on you because you have something there. There's no way you should think you don't belong in a certain setting. So... How do you become a casting director? So I, at the time, was working for GRID, Gang Reduction Youth Development for City Hall. Um, and I remember getting a call from um, a homie we call Big Joel, right? And he was like, hey, um, you know, there's this, um, there's this white lady, you know, looking for, for real homies. But I've never dealt with this. I don't know what the hell, who to direct. And I really don't want to refer anybody because I can't vouch for anybody. But you work with the community. You're a case manager. You're a counselor. So you've met some of these guys. And you know who's ready and who isn't, right? So we linked up. And um, and she said, yeah, you know, for the show Goliath, I need real gang members. And I said, okay, well, I have some, but they've never acted. They don't have headshots. Don't ask me for that. Like, I could bring you seven dudes, and I promise you they'll act right. And she's like, okay, let's take a chance. She said, but with the condition of you being there as a gang consultant, you know, quote-unquote babysitter, but consultant. Right. So I was like, okay, sure. So I stood the first day, and then after it was like, well, you know, we have a, a recall. Can they come again tomorrow? And it was like, okay. So then I, had, I called sick again to my job, and I was on set, and... Being on set, um, you know, I started talking to different people, how, you know, how they got into that, like how to so, this and that. So hold on. Goliath, in case nobody knows, right? <laughs> That's Billy Bob Thornton. Thornton, yes. Right? And that, what was that show about? 
Um, he's an alcoholic attorney that's right. representing, you know, these different cases. And but, he's like on his last leg, staying right. in a hotel. It's actually very good. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And Billy Bob Thornton, did he ask invite you out for drinks or anything? Did no. he put his arm around you? No. The only Come on, thing don't lie. No, don't he lie. did not. I won't, you know, he's I won't He's a master coxman. We all know that from behind the scenes. Okay. No, he never did. If anything, he wrote a very um, grateful email saying that some of these guys that were there, you know, really carried themselves professionally even some better than the background they've had before and then he enjoyed you know their company and he wrote this email and i don't know if he was aware or not but it cc'd like different people and that's where people are like oh well she could bring real this so then it became like hey well now swat wants a deal now 9-11 wants something and so it came to where my supervisors at the grid program were like you can't keep missing work like that's not a job and like to me it's not. It might not be my job, but I'm keeping guys in the community out of the damn street, and, and I'm providing that exactly. So to me, I'm doing my job. I'm case managing. I'm counseling, and I'm showing something different. And I'm work. You know, employment placement. Yeah. So um, you know, they weren't agreeing with me missing work, so I just quit. I took a chance and I quit. And I was like, okay, well, now I don't have no income. I don't have nothing. Whatever, but. I, I, this is where I want to be. Like yeah. I was gravitated, so I started talking to different people on there, and then they started like putting the word out, and right. you know. So now I'm, um, you know, I'm constant. I've been on SWAT since season one. I'm their, you know, background consultant, hood guy, girl connect, whatever. Yeah. And um, and then we went to our first feature, which was Peppermint with um. Um, Jennifer Gardner and Juan Pablo Rava and you Did know Method Jennifer Man. Gardner try to take you out or anything like that? <laughs> no, she was very kind. She took pictures with us at like the the release party and the rap party and stuff like Did that. Did you have but... to keep her away from some of the homies because she likes bad boys or no? No, she had she had her bodyguards do their job. <laughs> All right, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, she it was you know and and that became a setting I wanted I was more intrigued by and I wanted to do more on and. They started calling me back, and uh, and the day that I said I want to do this for the rest of my life was um, the day I remember giving one of the guys a ride back home to his house, and his daughter ran out and and was like, "Oh, you're that lady that puts my dad on on shows, and you know, and he's a he's a movie star, and it, you could have missed this guy by a blink of an eye because he was background, right? But to be able to change a little girl's perception and image of her father that this tatted down guy from head to toe was no longer that convict she went to go see or that that inmate or that you know criminal or that low life whatever but he's an actor he's a, a role model like an i was artist. like i want to be able to provide more kids with a different perception of who we are or who we are quote unquote meant to be you know and wait a second let's not gloss over this let's be let's be real clear on what's really <clears throat> happening here mm -hmm. in your heart you were like i'm gonna do this for the rest of my life right and that came after a little girl's perception about her father right changed mm -hmm. coming from mm -hmm. where you came from from what you perceived about your father correct mm -hmm. right right so you've made the transition mm -hmm. from trying to save one guy who doesn't want to be saved for a little girl right? to saving or helping a lot of fathers mm -hmm. and mothers 
mm. become something much more in the eyes of their children. Mm. Correct. That's very powerful. That is powerful. Right. Yeah. And it's no coincidence. Yep. I'm glad that you didn't gloss over it. Um, and, and I feel like when you're on that type of a path, um, it kind of unveils itself. Yep. Somebody like no. you or if people are really listening. You're like, right, let's back this up a second because yeah. this is how this plays out. Listen, I, I, I'm not going to take us off that. I'm going to stay on that subject. I'm going to say when I was a kid, my parents didn't have the money to get me the stuff that I wanted to wear to go to school. But but the, all the other kids did a lot of white kids and stuff, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, I got made fun of, and clowned and humiliated and you know right and until I was old enough to start stealing my own shit. I started mm -hmm. having and I'd have to bury the shit like at a friend's house or in the bushes and then switch into it when I leave because I right. couldn't come in with fucking stolen shit, you know. <laughs> but as I got into apparel, bro, yeah, and started making uh, stuff. Yeah. Part of me was like, I'm going to make all the cool shit that I want. So I always have it. But after the first thing that we made and it started getting popular, it was my friend's kids that I was able to give. Like when I was building famous stars and straps or the hundreds. Like Lepke Jr. Right. <laughs> and I started, once I gave the first package to one of my buddies who was a, a homie. He didn't make hardly any money. They didn't have money. And their kids, kid wanted like that name brand thing, right? Yeah. I was able to fucking bless that kid for the next fucking five years. He had like the limited you... edition. But I start, that feeling of seeing a kid that wasn't going to get it any other way, have that and the way he felt about himself and going to school and excited. Like to me, I knew what that was like to not have that. And it became a passion in me and apparel that I spent all my time trying to hook up everybody's kids all the time. But it's that similar thing where you like, I took some feeling that was missing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try when I was a kid and wanted to end up end up being a solution to that thing. And, and when right. you tell me that, it's very much like Chumahan said. Right. I mean, it's without a doubt spot on. Clear. You don't end up there without these pieces that lead to it. You know, it's interesting. It is you, interesting. And you might be doing it 
unconscious, you know, I'm sure, while you're doing it, you know? You know, Berenice didn't, you know, initially start off thinking, like, I'm going to make heroes out of all of the parents of these kids because mm-hmm. I, I was denied that. But I'm sure at some point along the journey, she realized that was happening as a result of the work she was doing. I think it's beautiful. I do too. Great, Almost as beautiful as Berenice, except for my wife, who I love. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would definitely be falling into a category where my partner here would be trying to ask you. Listen, out listen. I can't speak to that because I'm not going to disrespect my wife. But I can tell you, uh, Berenice definitely deserves to have a very strong gentleman in her life for sure. Absolutely. Let me ask you. Um, so you just went through your cycle, and Berenice, we just talked about your cycle. Yeah, let's hear yours. Well, I'm asking you. What do I do? Like, how is that related well, to... Well, no, I'm going to tell you. Do I it. Because so just a no, quick, there, I, quick, I think that quick, there's a I, quick backstory for Berenice. I grew up without a mom. She was around, but she was not in my life. Okay. Okay, so, all right, go. Okay, so I... I What's I, your theory? I, and I'm going to tell you right now. I think that Chumahan is a very deep person with many levels. And I think what he does, he's not only doing it for the underdogs that he feels he was, his people or... Uh, all that I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to one. I'm gonna give you one example because there's many threads of this guy, yeah. and we talked about it earlier. And he grew up in a household where the woman left, and he was raised with his dad. And his dad, there was a lot of stuff going, but there was no, there was no. Fe- and if there was a female there for a second, Chumahan would latch on to it and like you know. Yeah. But there was just men, nah, no women, and he was raised his whole life with his dad like that, and now. He lives in a household where it's his mother-in-law, his wife, and his daughter. Mm. He is in a, and he's the happiest guy because he's surrounded by women. Mm. Now, I don't think you, I don't believe that a guy like you accidentally stumbles into a a home of all women. You get a taste of it, you liked it. Oh, the mom, great. Oh, we're having a girl, great. Like the more the merrier because you want that in your life. He wants a woman. He wants that softness and smells good when I come in. And these are all the things he didn't have as a child. So it's kind of like you you end up um, you end up with a solution and not by accident. Mm -hmm. You you were you're healing. You're moving towards whatever heals you. Yeah, in one way or another. Um, So. I, you know, that's just one, but, but Sean, Sean, there's many with you. Sean, you, you, you also know me for a very long time. Do you, do you have a sense of like sort of how I, how I started and then like sort of, cause you know, I was thinking about what you said, Steve, about the podcast. We were talking about this not too long ago where you were like, yeah, the passion that you have for this podcast, it really comes across. And I think about how I'm also a full-time attorney with my own law firm and like how much time do I really have energy to put into our podcast? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have as much as I really would like, right? If mm-hmm. I had my choice, I'd be fucking up every night setting up the YouTube hits, the fucking, all the research. I would have been able to do a full thing on on Berenice and then mm-hmm. be able to ask some really funny ass fucking questions, all that other <laughs> shit, right? But I don't have that time. So so I you know, I was thinking about that and I'm like, what is this podcast to me? To me. What does it mean to me that we have people come in, everyone from Lepke to Bernice to um, you know, John Chase, who's who who if you're listening to this, you probably already heard the John Chase, but yes. that was a great fucking show. Uh so I'm trying to think, Sean. You know, you've known me for 20 years, maybe longer. What do you have any thoughts on that? 
You know, I have a question for you. Go ahead, you crazy fuck. Um, would you leave the practice, the law practice, if uh, if the show would support you? Are you? This dude's got two things, three things that might support him. Of course, he is. <laughs> uh, you know what? I would. In fact, in working on H2K, I'm going to tell you this. All right. Let's hear right, it. Let's hear right. it. Tell the truth. Let's God hear this. damn it. This motherfucker's a screenplay writer <laughs> by Jesus fucking Christ. trait, bro. This is a creative writer. <laughs> so what I would say is this, and I've really been thinking a lot about this for the last year and a half. There's an intersection between my practice of law, this podcast, writing. Right, there's an intersection. And the intersection is talking and exploring the human experience and really trying to get as real as possible. Breaking through a bunch of fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. And when you grow up on a reservation and you're American Indian and you're thinking about this country, it's like really hard. Like it's it, it, it's really fucking hard to not um think about that there's alternate versions of reality that could have been. Right? Like it, there could have been and and I don't even mean like when I think when I say things like that, I don't really mean like an us versus them either. I don't think like well what would have happened if you know the Indians would have destroyed the whites? Where would we be now? Right? I don't think like that, actually. What I really think is, what if you took the best part of the Western world and the best part of the American Indian world and you were to, without anyone keeping score, bring that together and create something better? Mm. <laughs> I just got super emotional. Why does that bring up emotion for you? I think that's what I've been thinking about my entire life. Mm. I don't believe that as much as I believe in like civil rights, because I do, I don't really believe the final, final answer is, is that, you know, white people don't have any rights either. I really don't believe that. And mm. I don't believe that even the, 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 the oppressors, if you want to call them that, I don't believe that they don't have something to give. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I keep thinking like, you know, like, it doesn't have to be this way, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. And part of it is, like, being honest about the history, and part of it is about being honest. And when I say being honest about history, I don't just mean, like, what they keep out of history books. But I also mean, like, you know, white medicine being something positive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think, man, I don't know what just happened, but I think that that's the promise of America to me is that. Like, I don't think you can get to a perfect country or a perfect way of living or a perfect culture or a utopian or a happy society just in like 250 years from Europe and American Indians and African Americans and whoever else clashing and fighting it's too short you got too much you're just too close to kings and queens and any which way you slice it kings and queens are oppressive uh -huh. 
You don't have to be a person mm-hmm. of color to have been oppressed by a king or a queen. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what, though, Chumon, what you say rings true because you know him in 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 this show and on all his platforms and the way he interviews people and the stories he tells is like one thing Chumon can't stand is people unwilling to bring their A game, mm-hmm. settling like what it, giving their best. And I think ultimately you demonstrate. A very high level. Do you agree, mm-hmm. Chumon? Of showing up as a father, a businessman, a screenwriter, everything everybody puts in front of you, you fucking bring like this high level. And you want other people to recognize their power and their ability. And you demonstrate it through the way you live. And these stories of the human experience and the human journey, you want to bring to the forefront in a certain way to show them. And I think you, at the same time, you're showing yourself. I have to bring my best. I think part of it too is that my my father uh, just died in bed, man, and he died two he died at fifty eight from obesity and alcoholism, and I think it was he was a brilliant guy. He had a lot of interests. You know, he was a terrible father, but also a good father. So I think mm-hmm. on some level, my thought about Help, helping people to be real and to um, like realize their better selves is really about probably just saving him. Mm-hmm. 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 So, anyway, that's all right. Well, thanks for making me cry, Sean. <laughs> what the fuck? No, that no, awesome. that was Bernice <laughs> made you <laughs> cry, bro. Yeah, she brought her energy. It was nah. the, es- the estrogen that came into the room. Ber- Ber- yeah. Berenice looks like she 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 makes people smile. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, she, she keeps it real. So she how hard is them. it? How hard is it? You wait, 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 wait. Hold on, because <laughs> uh, I want to. I want to take it back because she really did risk a lot by quitting her job. Yep, I wanted to too. Yeah, I yeah, wanted to too. Back. Yeah, because you went over that real quick. She did. So I, I yeah. took a take walking away from the safety cord, umbilical cord of. I always say to people. You want to stay safe? You go ahead and do that. You stay right, right there and right. stay safe and stay broke. You know what I'm saying? Right. You, at some point in time, there's a step that you have to take off, and there's no steps there. You're stepping into the invisible. Mm-hmm, You're taking right. a chance. No guarantee. Talk about that. Well, you know, I think like my, I always refrain back to my faith, right? Because I was like, I feel like if I do gods my higher power however people perceive um work then i won't go without and um and till this day i have not gone without you know and there's been times where i look at my bills and i'm like how did i make that happen you know and um and i think that my reward um of course everybody needs a job money handle like to survive but i think like um I was okay at that point, and I'll be transparent. I was okay with jumping on public assistance and going back on food stamps if for a minute, like f- until I figure this shit out, you know. And um, and it was all right. Like, let me do that, you know, and and see the struggle, whatever it is. It's not like I haven't experienced a struggle, right, you know. Right. So um, so I've been there, done that. So you know, and I started moving forward, and then. Um, then these 
uh, producers and, you know, PAs, they started talking highly of me and they were like, hey, like, why aren't you getting paid for this? You know, and I'm just like, like, I didn't know I could get paid for being a consultant and just being here sitting with some of the guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, no, we, we could definitely do that, you know. And so things started going that route. Um, but I don't believe that people grow from their comfort zone you know um there's no challenge in remaining to what you know you know because if you're settled and you become a conformist you know you conform like oh why maybe i get you know assistance once a month and i'm okay with that check once a month and i'm okay with that or i'm all right staying on you know in this this house and you know fuck it like even if there's chaos down the street and you conform you know but i think that um you have to at one point you have to take a risk on what in what you believe in you know mm-hmm. and and i believe in opening a different world to our people that deserve to also be in those red carpets those events be in the spotlight because we're always we're still in the spotlight anyway in the media but it's always negative you right. know so it's like no let's change the narrative of that let's change how people perceive us and you know, I respect Manny a lot for the work that that he's done. And, you know, just when he's the one that reached out to me one day and he's like, you know, I've been watching you and I want to sit down with you. And that was like an honor in itself. I didn't get into this for cloud. I didn't get into this because well, I'm gonna meet famous people, because truth be told, I met famous people through my mom being a housekeeper. And that didn't change anything. You know, it just they're people, they're human beings, you know. And um, so. At that point, the purpose was bigger to and every time I started going on set, people were like, well, why do you represent those kind of people or this and that? And I'm just like, well, check this out. To me, it's like this. It's not just creating a career path or a money uh, income source. It's more life and death, you know. So if I have a group of gentlemen on set. For 10, 12 hours, that's 10, 12 hours that cops are not harassing them. They're not shooting at each other. Mm-hmm. They're not um, letting, you know, ideal minds is the devil's playground, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting there doing nothing, then most likely you're going to get into some shit, you right. know. So if I'm able to provide a space where someone feels like they're an asset, even if it's background to a project, then they're not going to want to miss the next project, you know, and that'll keep somebody from reframing into a destructive path where like, man, if I get busted, I might miss the next audition or I might miss the next opportunity or I might. So to me, it's deeper than just a paycheck, than just, oh, what I'm doing, you know, be recognized, the recognition and the validation I don't get from the guys and from anyone i get that validation and recognition from my higher power right you know and i always feel that that's always the the source because without your faith or without um some type of hope then you know we we're we're destined to fail if you don't hold on to some type of hope you know and the hope of being able to bring a different environment to these guys and put them in a setting that yeah i I get a lot of shit there people are well they're still playing gang members okay yeah but guess what if they're being 
offered a job, am I going to tell you not to fucking take it? Like because Wait, you know so do you get do you get haters that tell you like yeah, but you're just creating more stereotypes all the time, all the time. But the, what people don't understand is for ev- there's a step to everything, right? You know, right. and if for the moment, if it takes for me to play a gang member to get in the door. I'll play that gang member to get in that door. And then you start networking. And then you start, I mean, I've only been in this field, literally, my anniversary was July 13th, um, three years. It's recent, three years. And in three years, I have impacted like over 300 gang members, you know? And some of these guys have gone into lead roles now some are doing speaking roles some are doing auditions some one youngster just literally and you know and you met him david mcgill he just Mm, you know one best actor in italy for a short film that he was in Mm. and what i ended up doing was i started you know people weren't going to come out their pocket because of again the same stereotype and these are put a bunch of blames and all that but people could talk all they want to talk because Again, these guys don't have to prove themselves to nobody. They already put their work in the streets. The the paperwork says it all. And and just, you know, whatever. But they want to do something different. So I wasn't going to be that one person that was going to keep them held on to their past. Like, people done that shit to a soul. Oh, you're that convict. Oh, your background. Man, that's not who I am no more. Like, give me that chance to prove to you who the hell I could be. You know? And, you know, and I just wanted to provide that space. So when that came about... I started, you know, making a little bit of money here and there. And there was times where projects were coming in like, hey, I can't afford you as a consultant or as this and that. But I do have a budget for the guys. Hey, and fuck it. Like, I would be like, all right, let's take it. Let's do it. As long as they're providing something as long. And, you know, I believe that my consistency and like my faith and, you know, and my higher power has been able to give me. In my in my eyes, I consider myself successful and not because and if you look at my pages like I have this big old following or none of that shit. But I've been doing the work before Instagram, before Facebook, like, you know, and I know that when I die, you know, I know I touched like very many hearts and that's what i want to leave people are not going to define me for what the hell who follows me or what Mm -hmm. post i put on social Mm -hmm. media it's going to be what i've touched the the messages the advice the life experience you know the trips i end up doing fundraisers and the first fundraiser i had we were able to raise enough money and i was able to send you know, um, four of our team members to acting class for four months. So on that, Mm -hmm. all right, on that, right. Let's just do kind of a little bit of a lightning round. First and foremost, how do you, do any of the people that you, there are some of them are, they've never acted before. Right. And And they're really being requested, not really to act in a sense, right? Right. They're gonna be the authentic article. What kind of advice do you give those folks when they start to freak out? Like, hey, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> well, um, I've had a few guys actually say that, and I'm just like, okay, what role are you playing right now? Right? And they're like, well, I'm the gangster, I'm the cartel. Uh, well, aren't you that in real life anyway? <laughs> you know? And they're like, uh, okay, so we're just in a different setting. We're just on a different set, you know? So you don't have to act like, you're different like bring yourself you know but what i do teach is the ethical component don't be all loud and obnoxious and bring that hood mentality into set like if you want to be treated with respect and professional 
act accordingly. Have you actually <laughs> had to pull someone aside and say, hey, calm down behind. When the camera's not rolling, knock it off. Yeah. So I had, and it, you know, and it's sad, but it was an older gentleman, yeah. uh, you know, a veterano. And, um, and I was just like, you know, because he was trying to do the extras and trying to like prove. And I was like, like, nah, that's not going to fly. You know, like you can't be acting like that. I mean, as it is, because the way I feel is that we're already viewed as something different, you know. So to come and validate their thoughts, it's like you're feeding into it. So do, like, do the stop. veteranos actually listen to you because you're a woman? <laughs> do they go like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, yeah, you're right. Um, you know that particular gentleman. Um, he he was a little stubborn. So yeah. what I ended up doing is I had to hold my position and 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 say, you know what, we're gonna wrap this day, but I'm not calling you back. And that's and I promise you that, you know, and um, yeah. and I follow through yeah, with what I said. Yeah. It's gonna be the last time you're ever on a set with me. <laughs> and that's but it, you know, I love it. but and and I've made these rules, you know, and my guys know I have veteranos in my team today, you know, yeah. and um and they know you're, you know, you come on time. Don't if you're scheduled to be there, be there. But if isn't not, it, isn't it true? I'm not gonna speak for all Latinos, but mm -hmm. I'm part of a Latino family. Okay. Okay. All right now. I'm yes. married in. All right. All right. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I say it's we're doing it at three o'clock, which to them means four thirty. Mm -hmm. Right. They're going to start getting ready at three. Right. So I got to tell them like, hey, we're having it at one thirty. Do you have to deal with that? <laughs> um, at the beginning, I did. You know, I did. But I think I started setting the tone when I started sending people home. You know, and right. they got there late and I was like, oh, well, call time was 6 a.m. and it's 8 o'clock. Yeah, we, I don't need you no more. And, you know, and it wasn't <laughs> like, oh, but uh, uh, because if I'm trying to set a professional tone and really install um, life skills, because it's basic life skills. That's right. You know, um, onto our people, then I'm not going to be lenient or enable the behavior so we could still be placed in the unethical realm. Because it's not, if I could do it, I have two kids, I'm married, I, you know, I run a business, and I could still be somewhere on time and deliver that, then you should have no damn excuse for, for it not to apply it with you that way. And plus, you are given, you're really being handed an opportunity. So you're really going to, F that up because yeah. you can't show up on time and if you do hey that's on you but you'll be watching us from afar right. and when you're ready to act right maybe we we could work this again but in the meantime I can't jeopardize the bridges I'm building because one person wants to be lazy out of bed to me it's like this if you've been a, a drug addict and you had to go get that fix at five in the morning go stroll go whatever go come up whatever you could get your ass up to no go problem. get a decent paycheck, Easy. you know, or if, you know, there's a mission you got to go do in the hood and homies are calling you and you're up and ready. Why can't you go and do the same shit when you're at work? Right. You know, so there's no excuse. It's just how bad you want it, how serious you're going to take this. If you're not going to take it as serious as I am, then maybe I need your time. Mm -hmm. you know? what, advice, what advice do you have for women trying to be business women in Hollywood? Oh, man, like just... Um, I would say be confident in what it is you feel you could bring to the table and don't allow anybody, not not even the word Hollywood, because when people think Hollywood, they think, oh, my God, these like big, you know, we have we have some scumbags in Hollywood, you know, but don't think that, oh, you have to like lower down. No, man, stay firm. You're a woman, but that doesn't mean that you can't carry yourself with a man's mentality straight up, you know, and be 
reassured of yourself. If you're waiting to be validated by everyone around you, you're going to fail. So just really be secure in what you got to bring. And if let's say if the answer is no or one door shuts, it's all right. Like suck it up and keep working. And until you're able to deliver and knock down that fucking door, because I've had to do it. And right now we are literally working on four featured projects where we're no longer background. These guys are going up and auditioning for speaking roles. So there's no way in hell you could tell me that what I have been persistent about isn't going to be successful because I've proved it. But if I allowed everybody's opinion to deteriorate my mission and my vision, then I'm not going to keep moving forward. So I'm going to stick to my belief. And as long as I'm not doing no harm, no foul play, no nothing, then I know I'm going to be successful. And I won't allow anybody to tell me that. It's not. No. Has Harvey Weinstein ever tried to do anything funny? <laughs> Never even met the guy. Have you had to navigate Harvey Weinstein type people from certain certain points? Um, Be in, in different you don't points. Have to say who? But yeah, different points. Un- yes. Inappropriate dudes. Yeah, I remember like meeting one person on set. And this um, particular gentleman, he told me, hey, like the key thing to this business, right, is um, no matter what, be nice, right? And, and like, and me, I'm, Uh-oh. no, but he was like saying, he he didn't try no foul nothing. He was just trying to give me um, like some advice, right? And I was like, and you know, I'm thinking, shit, my nickname's Snapper. I don't even know how to be nice. But I was right. like, uh, what does that mean? Like, do right. I have to bite my tongue with certain things? Do I have right. to, you know. As a and, woman of color? Yeah, right. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, there's always a proper way of declining things, but not without like, uh, because even in Hollywood, you have a blacklist, right? And if you're on that, then nobody's going to ever fuck with you. But there's always a way to approach things, right? And I think a lot of, our women fail at having a strong boundary, you right. know, and because your career's on the line or whatever. But if I have to sell myself to the devil because I have a position somewhere, I don't want to. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's all good advice. Without saying who or whatever, I'm just mm-hmm. asking you straight up. Has a man who uh is in a position to green light or red light something mm-hmm. have they ever in a direct or indirect way said you can have what you want but you got to give me what i want has that have you ever gotten that message um i have but not even from someone that has a green or red light they think they do you know so mm-hmm. i and and they might be close to that person I see. but um but i stay firm and my belief and I stay is firm true, on having my self respect. Is it true that that was uh, Donald Trump Jr.? <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. All right. No, and no. then what advice do you have for women who are active and trying to run in these streets and they're not ready to get out? What do they have to do? You know, I don't look down on any um, women or anything that's out there. You know, everybody has a journey, everybody has a path. Um, but, you know, it comes to a point where. I would really advise, like, take some time and love yourself and you'll discover more than what you think, you know, you're worth because your worth comes within. And um, and don't let your past or your actions of your past shame you for the rest of your life or become this life sentence. You know, Um, it's you are the architect of your own destiny. You can 
come back and bounce back from any situation if you really put the work in. And, you know, if, if you're still active, you're still whatever, just know that you're not the only one hurting. You're hurting everybody around you. You're hurting everybody that loves you. And if you think that it's a selfish move, it's really not, you know, because everything, if it was just something that was impacting you, then okay, whatever, jump off a cliff. But what even jumping off a cliff, you're going to hurt people that love you. And if you feel like you're not loved, because the only reason you would be down that path is because of, of not loving yourself, you know. But if you think that, just know that there is a higher power that's bigger than man, bigger than women, that loves you and you're here for a purpose. Don't die without finding out your ability to make a change in this world. You know, because even in your most detrimental, low bottom, you could still make a difference. I'm sure, you know, we've all came across people at our lowest that probably thought we were better than them, you know. Mm. And I think even then you have something to bring to the table. So don't think that you're worthless. You're, you know, you're not capable of changing. You're not worthy of love. We all are worthy of love and we all deserve happiness. And it's just how bad do you want to love yourself? You know, how has COVID impacted the television film business? Uh, it impacted it very severely. You know, just um, we were on a roll with like TV shows and just being but everything came to a complete stop. Um, my biggest fear, honestly, was like if my guys are not doing something actively like man are, are some gonna relapse or are some gonna go to jail or some you know like what what's happening and so that was my biggest concern so i think like what we ended up doing um we some of the guys started creating skits i was like we we need to do something you right. know and um so what i empower also my team to do is um don't just be behind the camera, but write your shit down, you know, like write your ideas, Come, right. produce your stuff, direct your stuff, like do it and and be okay with exposing yourself for who you are. Who cares if you're a big tatted up fool and you want to act like, you know, a clown or comedy or whatever. Big lucky. Like it's, <laughs> so it's all right. Like do it. Be comfortable in your own skin. So we started doing that. We, um. What I've also done is like through the COVID, we have done like some team building exercises to come together more. Um, I, I stand out from a lot of these casting agencies because I do take my time to meet these talents, like to get to know them on a different level. And they always say like, oh, it shouldn't be mixed like business with personal. But you know what? Like I'm I've always been put to the side right or put a shine on like not someone really sat there to get to know me so i wanted to provide a space for these guys to be like no look you could be yourself you're all from different hoods but we all carry same trauma same pain similar situations like how can we identify what brings us together instead of dividing us and let's do something right so we do team building we do skits we've sat there and we have team meetings we collaborate in like writing projects and i just try to maintain something like something going where the where it's not like okay we have enough space um or time that we could just go back no to downtime the hood and everything right. yeah Slide like back. no back downtime right. but have you had um people that uh you are working with that mm -hmm. are from different neighborhoods and some shit popped off? Uh, never popped off. Like, I, my team has, to this day, very, very respectful. 
carried themselves with integrity. I have had certain sets where I had had one of the guys like, oh, I can't, I can't fuck with that dude over there because this and that. But because of you, like, I'm going to give you that. Like, all right, right, I'll get through this day. And, and you know, and, and I respect that, you know. And even, like, on the set of SWAT, our biggest call was, I think, about, like, 60 gang members. And they were like, yeah, I need 60 guys, 6 a.m. You know, again, right. working with a Latino population, 6 a.m. Like, are they going to get up, you know? Right, you had to tell but, them to be there the night before. <laughs> right. So, um, so they all showed up. Um, you know, there are guys, like, from... MS, guys from 18, guys from Florence, guys from Monte, Paramount, like, you know, all these guys, and they were all in a big setting, and everybody's like, what the hell? And they're all there, you know, like, congregating and breaking bread, like, when we It was kind of like a truce. Right. Like, when, like, lions and fucking gazelles go to the water hole in Africa, and they're like, listen, we all gotta drink water, nobody's gonna fuck with each other right here. Right. Steve, you said there was another, what, is there other territories where there's kind of like a truce? I thought, I remember you saying that was like... Was by the mini donuts or whatever. You were like, hey, when everyone's down here, well, nobody saw anything, nobody well, heard anything. You know, there's, I mean, there's different organizations. Here, dude, it's like, it's a, whatever that video store was. No, that was the donut show. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to talk with it. There was so much bad business going in there that if you saw somebody from another hood, you guys would act like you didn't see each other. <laughs> right, right. No, yeah. So, right. like, I mean, and there's other organizations, right, that yeah. that do do the gang intervention. But I think, like, with us, um, it's on a different scale. You know, I think I, I personalize these guys really have turned to one another, like brothers, like fathers like seeking advice from one another um and that's like the beautiful thing that people don't see they just think oh they they come together and just party and whatever like no nah, so when is the, that when is the show about you and what goes on behind the scenes with with these fellas when is that happening because <laughs> i actually don't you see a reality show there steve Absolutely. not so, not in a kardashian sense but i mean just in a real sense like these this is what she's having to show up and bail one guy out right, or, or, or you know two two hard-ass motherfuckers are talking to each other about how they go inside and reach their inner child <laughs> like, so you know what it's crazy you actually brought that because someone actually on a big platform we did have a meeting and they wanted to capture that they did offer from the streets to the set its own reality show I um, think that's great yeah. and um, and that's something you know like we're thinking about like legally like you know bring cameras home I'm, uh, I don't do the whole bring cameras home because my space is my space that should be a, you know sanctuary that's my home that's my kids but just even being out there and and seeing the healing component because the person that reached out to us was um because i said look if you're gonna reach out and just make us look like clowns and all this drama i don't want it. i'm gonna tell right. you right now we're cutting it right you know and uh, but he was like no no i think what people don't see is the like healing this, component that you right. put in you know the counseling yeah the, but be careful because a lot of producers right. that they know you don't want to come off like that so they're like no we're talking about the healing right. and then they capture all the duck dynasty bullshit. exactly but you know what that's why you should tell those dudes to fuck off <laughs> and get your own crew and control how it's edited. Right. The I mean, you, you, I think, honestly, um, first of all, the way it seems like things are now, I don't think you need the high-end production values that, you know, maybe five, ten years ago people got used to for television, right? Right. What you need is something that looks real, and it's something that you've edited or someone who works under you is editing so that you can show. And I almost think not in a standardized way. I almost think 
in a way that really captures, okay, well, that was this project. Right. And I had to go out and get these people. And these people had this. And they worked out this. They didn't work out that. Right. And, you know, this is the struggle for a, a woman entrepreneur in this situation. And this is my family. And, you know, at, I think a great ending to each show is they try to follow you right into your house and you just close the door. And <laughs> that that's it. Dope. Right. Yeah, well, maybe we could talk about it because I see a lot of talent in here. There is, actually. There is. So, you know. But, and then, um, okay, so real quick, um, when was your most, and and come on, I know that people don't impress you and you survived, you teenage mother, did that big, did it all great, took the big risk. But what was the most starstruck moment to date that you have been through? Mm, I have not encountered it yet, but I believe that if I were to ever be on a set with Denzel, mm. Will Smith, mm. or Tyler Perry, mm. I would be like, oh, shit, this is where I want to be. Because those three um, gentlemen, I do acknowledge. I listen to Denzel almost on a daily, the motivational speaking, um, just like being able to walk through many doors that he had at one point, like been shut. And he just, you know, managed that. And um, and like even just Tyler Perry, right, being told that like he couldn't you know the stories that he brought and now he's like one of the most successful like you know studios out in georgia like will smith just watching fresh prince like growing up with all of that and then seeing how the career evolved and like the way he even speaks um i think at that point i'd be like oh damn like okay i'm with people who i admire who i want to be at that level or whatever you know but as far as everyone else um no, I'm not easily. Maybe wait, again, because I grew up around that, like with my mom being a housekeeper. I wasn't wait really a starstruck. Second, wait a second. So, so Beyonce says, I need five real people for my video. And you go on a set with Beyonce, you're not going to be starstruck? No. Okay. All right. Run DMC, not going to be starstruck? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, All it's right. really hard to believe no, that. I'm gonna go yeah, through. So no. I'm gonna go through. You just be honest. Yeah. You just be honest. Mariah Carey, not gonna be starstruck. No. Okay. Gary Busey, not gonna be starstruck. No. <laughs> Robert De Niro, not gonna be starstruck. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Al Pacino, not gonna be starstruck. Yes. Actually, my my aunt babysat for um his wife's daughter, who is like Camila, the model, and then Lucia is um his wife today and um and easily like my aunt's like you should call her and see if you could meet her and i was like no i don't want to use that like to get where i want to get right. like i'll meet this person when the time is right and it's right. meant for me to meet them but there's like numbers in my phone currently that i they're you know big names and i never use that to move on up because i wanted to be acknowledged for the work that i put in not who sure. i like and yeah and it's always about like who you know and stuff but i don't want the easy route i want it to where my work shows where my dedication where my time is invested when something wasn't given or handed to me because that's I don't find no reward in being handed something and then it's like all right well whatever then I owe somebody else no at least I know when I get to where I want to get to it because it was my sweat my tears my dedication my sleepless nights my commitment to the shit I believe in you know so prediction on the presidential election who's gonna win anybody but Trump (laughs) all right all right Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I noticed that you have a, a, a stud 
in your lip or not in your lip? Where we, what do you call that? Piercing? No, yeah, piercing. piercing. But what is it? What part of your what a part of the face is that, Steve? Oh, the lip. Yeah, Good. my upper lip. Yeah, but it's not like in the lip meat. It's like mm-hmm. above the lip meat, right? Yeah, it's like a. How long mold. have you had that? I've had that a few years. I'm gonna say about three years, going on three years. What was the decision to doing that? I just wanted to do it. Like other times, I couldn't do it because I was in like government settings, right? I've, yeah. I've worked prior to um, gang intervention. I was with like sh- the sheriff's department, DCFS, all that. Like how you know, I wanted to acknowledge like your daughter, right? And and graduating and being a graduate, like. When you asked me about my background, this is not the only thing I've done, but like I'm a certified substance abuse counselor through KDAC with California. I I'm able to facilitate domestic violence, victims group, parenting, anger management. Um, I also have like the personal development aspect of like where I've been brought in to do presentations for LAPD and fire department. And like, Damn. you know, so I'm a, not only am I a hood person, but I'm an educated person, yeah. you know? And like, I think, um, at those times, I felt like I didn't want to risk anything that would make me have some type of career path in those settings. So yeah. I didn't want to alter more than what I already had, right? The ink and all that. Yeah. So I was respecting the the ethical part of that. But then when I started being self-employed, I was like, man, whatever. I don't have to answer right. to nobody. I'm you know? my own boss. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. how I feel with my long hair in the court. Usually yeah. you can't do that. <laughs> and you've got two. Well, let's see. You got two pink uh, uh what is that these are these called, wristbands with some stones and shit on it these are called what is um, that oh well the the purple ones these are um called c bands and these are two these are little things that provide little acupuncture things so like any motion sickness or anything so do, i mean are, are, and, what, and so why are you wearing those what, what oh um this morning i just felt a little like nauseous and stuff so i just slapped them on are you pregnant <laughs> well that's something that I won't answer right now. No. Whoa! <laughs> that's a hard luck exclusive. Damn, you are an attorney. How do you like dug that up? I don't know, bro. Bad. That's a deposition shit right there. That's a, that's a blood <laughs> hat right there. Right there dog. I saw yeah. those things. I was like, mm, something. All right. And then you got a red. Are you in Kabbalah? Yeah. What is no, that? No, so the red, the red one is actually, I'm a, you know, I respect all religions and stuff, but um I got this like kind of like a um protection um bracelet right that someone gave to me um one of my um indigenous um mentors you know and okay so you know i carry it with me and keep evil spirits away do you mess with santa maria none of that shit no i don't i respect it all i Uh have been curious i've i've asked questions i've been you know um i have family who you know that are involved with like you know Santa Muerte and Santeria and I respect I respect all religions and all beliefs you know but like what I practice is what I practice and right um but nevertheless I don't minimize the power that any of those um beliefs have you know but I, I just respect it from afar <laughs> uh yeah that that's like that's a good answer she's like look I ain't trying to piss off any demonic spirits by saying oh. it's weak and <laughs> but I'm not trying to get involved no I mean I believe there's a balance of good and evil in this world because with Without the other, I mean, it really wouldn't make any sense. There's do you no believe balance. In, do you believe in ghosts? I believe in spirits. Have you seen a ghost? Yes or no? Answer the question. Uh, ghost, no. Spirit, yes. You've seen a spirit? Mm-hmm. Where and when? Well, 
it's presented itself in my own home and one of it i believe is it i believe it's my mom because my mom passed in my home and um and i remember i was saging my house right and i was doing prayer and um and when i got to the point where where she passed i, I was saging and the the plate i was using for the ash not to drop it just cr like it just blew up in my hand and i was like because i was trying to in my own way you know send her back like to rest you know yeah. like you have to and um and it just and i was like okay lady you can't be here if you're still here you're like go and rest you know like that was my thought and um i have experienced my my daughter like really been afraid of this older lady and a kid that revealed themselves to her at a very young age and she used to run to me because we used to live in front of um the uh, the cemetery on, right on Whittier and Morena Ooh. and um and she ran like to the kitchen she's like tell a little girl stop playing with my toys and I'm like what little girl oh my god and um and she would wake up like out of her sleep crying and uh -uh. saying la senora uh -uh. this la senora that and I uh -uh. was like what mm -mm. so you know I believe in prayer and I believe that there are some um some unrested spirits uh -uh. in this realm uh uh you know what, man? Why are little kids scary? Dude. Because my my little girl, with Shantan, like, she freaks me the fuck out. Because I'll be looking <laughs> at my little daughter, and she'll just be staring off in a space, like, look like she's talking to something. And I'll be like, oh, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> hey, my my kid, we were sitting in bed, and my, my kid said that there was an old man in the closet. Oh. Oh, oh no way, man. man. Yeah. He, he said he was nice. No. But I was like, oh, fuck, no, that freaks me out. No. That yeah. reminds me like Poltergeist 3 when Well, I mean, dude. I think that stuff like that reveals like in a pure heart. And I mean, what's more pure than a child, right? Mm. And sometimes You're like they say. way closer to the source than we are. Yeah, yeah. but you know what? Come you know on, what? Dog. There's a lot of serial killers that were kids <laughs> too, man. And they weren't pure. You, Jeffrey Dahmer, when he was a kid, you think that dude was pure? Talking about little kids. Oh, like, that's freaking little. me out, man. I look at my daughter and sometimes she stares off and I'm like, dude, what is she looking at? So, like, based on that, do you believe that every like there's kids that actually are born evil? Yeah. All right, you want me to be honest? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. I don't think it's a lot, and I don't know that it would be something that you could assess. Like, I don't, I wouldn't trust somebody that's like, oh, I know that that three year old's evil. We might as well just lock him up now. <laughs> right. I don't believe that. Right. But for for people like Jeffrey Dahmer. Or people like uh, the Night Stalker or whatever. Sometimes, yeah. I, I Okay, so let me say this. I wouldn't say they were evil, mm. right? But I would say something's wrong with them from the very beginning. Yes, there are some. Because how else do you explain that some people grow up in similar circumstances and, and some are able to process whatever and become a casting director? Mm. And then others same sex scenario and they don't and you can say well that's up to voluntary choice but i do think that bless you, bless you. i do think that there are some very and i'm when i say this i mean 0.02 percent or something like that right. i don't I, i'm the vast majority now right. but just as when somebody's like um you know that guy's a sociopath or he's a psychopath I don't think to be a real sociopath, that's really like point zero 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 two yeah. for real. The rest of everyone yeah. else is just an asshole, and they're choosing to be an asshole. Mm -hmm. So yes, I do believe that. Okay. And and, and by the way, I don't. I, I, I what? I was gonna say, and I don't necessarily think that you have to be like a little kid with a pure heart to see a ghost or a spirit. I mean, 
Do you believe in demons? Like, do you believe in evil spirits? I believe in evil spirits that they they realm around. I mean, like I said, I believe it's realm? Like, like they realm they just. Around? I think like okay. But so so you're saying yes? Yeah, I okay. believe there's a balance. There's good and evil. So right? Steve, why not with kids? If you got a pure kid, he can see the good spirits, and why not like an evil kid can see the 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 demon spirits realming around? I think for one, I think kids can see things when they're little uh, more cl clear than us because I believe that they're coming. Their time here, they were they're closer to the source as a little kid. They're closer to they just came from the creator. So I feel like there's more insight with a with a child. Okay, that's overlooked. Right. They're dumb. They're this or that. I don't. I think don't think that. Guy. I don't think they're dumb. But uh, I just see differently within you on the kid thing. I think. Uh, Somebody, a counselor told me, uh, man, maybe 30 years ago, he's like, everybody's born with a light inside of them. And either that light is fed or that light is it's put dimmed. out. You know, and dimmed. But I go, he said, I believe everybody is born with a certain light. And, and either that light is perpetual, you know, or it's, or it's, you know, shut down. And, and I believe that. That's my belief, man. You know, I don't believe kids know evil. I don't believe kids know prejudice. I don't believe kids, and I'm talking about little kids, bro. No, I mean I know I'm what you're about talking like about. Seven, eight years I, old, dude. Bro. Listen, <laughs> I listen, I listen. I agree with all that, but if we believe there's a balance, we believe there's a balance. That means that there's some sort of dark part that's part of the universe, and that's what it is. And all I'm saying is, it ain't the majority. It's not even one percent. It's probably point zero zero two percent. But I feel like when I was growing up, there was at least one or two kids that I knew when I was a kid was like, "Oh, they're bad." But you're talking about. You're talking about I'm talking about infants. I'm talking about. I'm talking I don't about think zero to three. No, okay, zero to three. Nobody knows anything about zero to three because zero to three aren't really communicating. And then oh, at three, oh, they're communicating. They're not communicating the way that we know yeah. how to communicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're not registering what they're saying. Right. Okay, so but we don't know what's going on with them. Okay. Okay, so when you don't know what's going on with it, with with the zero to three, it's easy to project that well, they're a blank slate. But I don't think that. I think that there's like point zero 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 one percent evil people who mm -hmm. they're zero to three and they're doing communicating evil ways, but the parents can't see it. Because, like you just said, we, you can't pick up on zero to three. And, and then at about four years old, you're like, ooh, this one right here, that's, <laughs> he's, burying his, he's burying his cats alive. He, 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 you know, there, I've, I personally, I've seen some kids growing up where there is definitely something in their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> where you're just like, ooh. Well, do you know, but, but, but do you know for certain they were born that way? Or do you, or could there also be a possibility they became that way? Listen, absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you. I don't know for certain. Okay, but but that's I don't like, know for certain either. But this right, is what I believe. Right. So I believe based on the rules that we're even talking about here, which is there's a balance and there's an order and everything. There is a place for something that's just evil from the gate. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Mm. Evil from okay. the gate. Have you wrestled with any evil spirits ever in your life? Uh, Physically wrestled with any. Evil spirits. Or spirits. There was one time that uh, King Salmon was drunk and I had to fucking, I had to regulate on his ass and wrestle him to the ground. No. No, you know what? I've never wrestled with any <laughs> evil spirits, but 
I'm gonna save this for when King Salmon. That's my cousin. <laughs> I'm gonna save this for when King Salmon comes on. Mm-hmm. But for everything I just said, there's definitely something that King Salmon and I went through. Oh, that you watched on the ceiling. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That I can't explain. You can't explain. I can't explain it at all. All right. Anyway, final word. Final words. Final word. All right, Berenice. Yes. Snapper. <laughs> Snapper. Yeah. Um. So, how can we find you, or how can we? Uh, I want to ask something real oh. quick. Yeah. So how does oh. how does someone you know? There's a lot of people listening to the show that are involved in a lifestyle, a certain lifestyle. How can they get involved with with your what you do? Hold on a second. Don't start that because. Because we just had Lepke come in here. <laughs> Bernice, do you need people knocking on the door or do you got enough people already trying to fucking get your attention? There's many, but I'm sure <laughs> there's going to be more. No, um, I think like, look, if you're ready to um, to work, to be in a setting with different um, people from different communities, if you're ready to take a new opportunity and really dedicate yourself to something, then we could talk if if the mentality isn't there yet then you know yeah, figure that out first Bernice, <laughs> so, but wait, hold on. on top of that what what's the what's the quickest way to burn a bridge to burn a bridge yeah, um like- <laughs> <laughs> Show up Man. Late. Yeah, show, show up late. late. Show up drunk. Show up that's late. Show up drunk. That's, like, that's what, the main one. If someone submits like an application or like a, I don't know what it would be, a, a portfolio, what's the quickest way Wait. when you read something like that for it to go right into the wastebasket? Do you take applications? Um, there is a format like that I asked for um, in an email format. So mm-hmm. you provide like your oh, information. That? So like your name, your if you do have a, a stage name, because I do get even people who are rappers and stuff like it. <laughs> include that your height your weight is it true that brother lynch hong is applied (laughs) (laughs) your height your weight your um even like you know age contact info yeah like just i don't really ever turn anyone around unless they start (sighs) okay come on i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you like this i do not answer messages if you direct yourself to me as in like hey what up bro put me on I, I just skipped by that shit because they I already feel, don't know how to act. Yeah, because I mean, and I feel like you are trying to obtain an opportunity. If I was, hypothetically speaking, a white man in a CEO position in a suit in a big corporate, would you be referring to me like that? Nope. No, you would not. So I need to set my own tone of mm. how you come at me directly mm. because I'm a professional. So, and whether I'm a woman, whether I'm Chicana, whether I'm working out of a garage, I'm still be have to be approached in a professional way. If you can't come at me like that, then I'm not even going to waste my time. Because if the shit blows up, Who's the production people going to blame for it? Me, most exactly. definitely. And so that's what people, what a lot of people don't understand. Like, I'll tell you this. I've had conversations with some of our own people who are in positions or they call themselves directors, writers, producers that act the fool, even just on social media. <laughs> and then when I bring it up, they get offended. And, you know, and it's like, hold on. Like the only I'm only doing constructive criticism right. because 
One, you always have to look at the position we're coming from. I believe that our people always have to work two times harder to prove what the hell we're trying to obtain right. and if that we deserve this shit. So if I go into a setting talking about like, what's up, dog? And like, you know, can this and that? Like, am I going to be taken seriously? Hell no. So I'm going to have to adapt to that scenario. And if I'm posting and, and you guys are a group of men in this room and go please ahead. let me know go if ahead. you were to go to my page, right? And you saw me taking selfies or like my boobs or I like hire doing you all immediately. this. <laughs> I'm hiring you immediately. But, but in a perspective of what? Like we're doing what exactly? Like, like my ass, my body being my asset. Like I can't do that. So, what am I going to perceive, even if it's because everything's on social media right now? Yeah. If I want to be taken seriously and as a professional, I'm going to act right now. You if I want to do that. as a professional, so how, right. what are you projecting? Right. So, I mean, that's why. Now, if you want to act like that, I'm sure you could have a personal page, you know, and then you have your family and you do whatever. But on a, per, on a professional platform, like know how to handle yourself and I find so many people that get off oh I, I don't have to change the way I am and I don't have to like whatever like well shit because you don't change the way you are maybe you're not going nowhere you know and like that's did you see her wake eyes? up call did you see did you see her eyes when she did <laughs> like, that and she geez. was like snapping her head back and yeah. she's like well maybe that's why you're she's snapping no. 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 she sounded like she said that a couple of and, times huh? but you know what and I and I have <laughs> lost many uh, many relationships many so called friends may, many whatever people People because they believe like oh I'm a sellout or oh I, I changed um Fuck well that. don't you want to change <laughs> like uh, hello no. that's part of life you, you gotta change if you're gonna move up levels you gotta be willing to say goodbye to certain people exactly mm-hmm. certain people certain ways you you walk certain ways yeah. you speak um yeah. and there's a set in a in a place and in, in a time for everything right like it, you know if once let's say the mics go off and now you guys are like oh remember but and then I could be like hey like I could be free about whatever but if i'm gonna deliver something and i'm trying to sell something and what people don't understand and where all the haters all this shit talk and i and this is what i think about my haters they're fans that don't know it yet but yeah. fucking yeah. you know so these people you know that have so much shit to say yeah what they don't understand is that now if i was only repping me i'm bernice Valle, and and this is just me yeah i think whatever yeah then okay cool but i'm not just representing me right i'm a mother of two so I'm going to conduct myself as a woman. I'm right. a wife. I'm right. going to conduct myself as a woman. I'm a professional right. and I carry a team behind me. So I am the face of that team. So if I'm perceived the wrong way, then what the hell are they going to think about my team? If the leader is not even knowing how to act, then what do I expect from the rest of the flock? Absolutely. You know, so that's where I have to w- move a certain way. And I've lost people and I'm OK with that, you know, because I know where I'm going is not the same place I want to be at. I haven't left the hood. I still live in the hood because I again, I don't believe you have to relocate to change your mindset and be successful but i don't have to i could live in the ghetto i don't have to be ghetto you know what i'm saying Uh and and that's where people don't understand like you have to carry yourself in a way that you want to be perceived back in the day i I was you know rocking dickies i'm tatted the whatever and okay and i wanted to be perceived as snapper the gang member right and and i carried myself as that but am i gonna be perceived as a writer producer director casting in hollywood and still be that way hell no No, they're gonna be like oh this clown snapper you know (laughs) so i have to act accordingly and that is and my biggest purpose and the image that i carry is more solely for my children and the next generation right. because 
these older cats who are set in their mind and all that, I can't change the way people think, their mindset, all that. That's all good and collective and whatever the hell and respected. But what do I want to give my daughter to think right now? If I'm showing my breast or I'm using all this for to to come up, <laughs> then I'm showing my daughter that her talent, her voice and her intelligence means shit. Because if you're not out there showing your body, then they're not you're not going to get nowhere. And no, I'm not trying to put that on my daughter. And I'm also trying to teach my son that there are women in certain positions that you're going to have to respect, even if you are the man, you know. And so therefore, I am what I want my kids to look up to you know um i i exposed them to a lot of trauma and i exposed them to the ugly side of me for many years you know and so now it's time to say hey like mom's moving in a different direction and i'll be completely honest like my son just came around literally the last year year and a half because i put that kid through so much that when i used to be like well i'm your mom he's like all of a sudden you're my mom and i had to deal with shit like that but i understand that i can't be mad at him for that you know i can't be mad at something that i created or i exposed so what how I dealt with that when many people were like, well, your son's out there gangbanging, getting stabbed, getting tatty. Be, it became from your hood, his dad's hood. Like, and I used to get a lot of shit. And here's where again I go back to my faith. If I'm doing the work, then I'm gonna allow God to work in my home, and He's gonna do that. And by the grace of God, I five years later, my son is now 18 years old. He went from having three big cases to spending three times in juvenile hall to being stabbed in the halls, to being stabbed outside, to being shot at, to being harassed, to being all like a destructive suicidal kid, like to where he was self-destroying himself to where I remember sitting down and talking to some of my people and saying, man, I'm going to have to bury my kid. I'm going to have to bury him because this kid is stubborn. I had to make peace with God and say, look, God, if you're going to take my son, then that's where you're going to take him. But give me the strength to because I have a daughter, you know, and if I have to bury my kid, then that's where it is. But that faith and me continuing to see the good in this other side. My son used to show up to team meetings because I used to have in my backyard and he used to see all these other guys, you know, and and he'd be like, why are you helping the enemy? Like, why are you working with the enemy? And I'm like, what the fuck is the enemy? me like you know and i and he wasn't ready to comprehend that so now i stayed committed to my vision to my mission to what is stemmed in my heart and today my son has made a big big comeback and like this but gets me so emotional because this kid i give it to him i give credit where credit is due and my boy i'm proud of that kid and it's his first year in college he graduated after coming out of juvenile hall when the district didn't even want to take him i had to fight with the board you know and they were like we don't want no kid on probation here because we would have to hire a probation officer so I got a probation officer that agreed that he would go check on my kid at that school twice a week was on his ass he he got clean he ended up you know starting to derail from just being posted in the hood this kid has a job he's in college he made the college football team he's fucking you know working he has his own car he provides i stopped buying my kid's shit at the age of 15 because that kid was providing and my son shoots me like 200 250 150 a month for whatever i need and he provides the hygiene he helps with with my daughter like there's no fucking way you're going to tell me that this kid that lived through so much because, you know, my, when my mom died, who was primarily mom, you know, she died at home. And then five months prior to that, his great grandma died, my grandma. So five months apart, then nine months later, you know, his his dad passed and then 
five months later they murdered his best friend mm. so like him having all this shit against him you know and just being in the hood like i really thought like man i i, I this, it's gonna be a run for my money and and i'm gonna have to bury my kid but never de ever ever and my you know and if my son's listening or not or whatever if you know one thing i could stand firm is that never ever did i allow my son to show up to court and not see me there you mm. know never did i allow me to be a bigger advocate for somebody else's kid and not go 300 times harder for my own i remember you know when you go in juvenile hall they don't allow parents to really speak on behalf of their kids so me being an advocate on the street the judge was familiar with the work that i did so she thought that i was one of my clients and i said no this is my son when i said that she's like okay so you have no right to say it and i said no no check this out the 15 minutes that you and the public defender and the da took to read that file doesn't define you knowing my son that's not who he is these are the circumstances and i'm not justifying his actions because what he did is wrong and I've always held my kids accountable for their actions. You do something, better pay for it, good or bad. Just be ready for the consequences. So at that point, I advocated for my son and I don't believe that any kid should be like in foster care or camp or whatever because if I had them, it's my responsibility to raise them. Whether good or bad, fucking blame that shit on me so I don't have to blame the system. Mm. You know, so give me that chance. So I went in there prepared with the resources, with the ability, I'll do family counseling, I'll do whatever it takes, but... I want to give myself a fair chance as a mother and a fair chance to my son that he knows there's no one on this end giving up on him. And I'm going to show him that my love is going to fucking love him until the day he knows how to love himself. And and they granted me that. And, you know, and this is the product of my ass not giving up on my faith and in the work that I believe I was doing just by just being the example, you know, and today like I get home and I see his car there and I don't have to be blowing up homies. Hey, have you seen him? Have you this? Have you that? Calling police stations, you know, or having even the cops calling me direct because they had my number, you know, and, and today I'm grateful for that. Today I understand that, you know, the way you carry yourself, the way you expose, the way you do things, it will rub off. If any mom out there is listening that has lost hope or whatever, man, just keep moving forward. Stay in that faith pray, meditate, whatever. And, and a kid will actually follow more what they see than what they hear. You could preach the choir all they want, yeah. but if you see something different, that's what they'll follow. And today, man, with, um, you know, Manny and stuff, like I've been grateful. He, my son got into the acting. Um, he's been working with Manny and, um, and you know, like soon, hopefully we'll be like in a project together. And that would be our first project that, you know, we work. So like, what people don't understand that I do this shit for more than just like money, clout. I don't give a fuck about none of that shit. But if I could bring someone's kid back home that night or change the perspective or the direction they take their life, mm -hmm. like that's my fucking purpose. And that's I, that's cool. I could die broke. I don't give a shit. But at least I made some, you know, I touched some souls and um, and starting with my own, you know, so like that's really you know, like, oh, now you made me get emotional. Jeez, no, but, emotional but yeah, but no, yeah, that's, that's really where I stand with whole, like how I carry myself and all that stuff, you know, because it, it's crucial. It's crucial. And, um, and that's just where I stand and I'll continue to stand. I don't think anything else needs to be said. 
<laughs> I don't think anything else needs to be said. Am I wrong? Uh, you're not wrong, but what we do need to do is we need you to, uh, Bernice, plug where people can find you. Give us your, your, your IG handles, your company name. Yeah, so um, our professional name is URA Casting. It's underrepresented artist casting. Our slogan is from the streets to the set. And you could find us on both Instagram and Facebook from under the street uh, from the streets to the set. And um, our email is ura.casting at gmail.com. If there's any questions, any directors, producers, anybody out there that wants to work with our population, I got more than enough talent. <laughs> On our team, Bernice, you're more than enough talent. Yep, you're more you're more than enough woman for any man. She's got more talent. She's got more talent in her little finger than yeah, right? yeah, CAA's yeah, yeah, got in its yeah, whole building. Yeah, yeah, man, I know a bunch of six foot four men. They ain't got as much courage in their whole fucking body as she's gotten her <laughs> pinky fingernail. Oh my god! That, you know what I'm saying? That painted hey, manicure, man, beautiful it's pinky a, nail. It's, it's she just, takes her uh, nails seriously. It's good, man. It's good, and I'm glad that you're in this this uh, world, this professional world of media. Um, I look to you as somebody who's, uh, you know, a you're on our team. You know, like. Yeah, we can move through this thing, and we can help each other. Look, hey, we're man, moving man. towards the same direction. Lepke, you know? yes, Lepke's looking for some roles. Yeah, um, <laughs> we got a sequel to Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie <laughs> Newmar, that he's going to be in. He's also portraying uh, Liz Taylor in The Drunk. Listen, I want to say thank you, Bernice, for yeah. coming down today. Thank uh, you. For thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. We have an open door policy. Um, Always, you know, Phil, I want you to use this platform as a place you feel you can come and promote. Thank and, you. Or bring you know, anybody that you or think bring is some special. Guests. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll, yeah. And we'll tell their, we'll help tell their story and help get the word out. You, you know, know what? I didn't I'm ask that. We're going to ask later because I'm not going to get this show to go any longer. But uh, I do definitely want to hear some stories about people who showed up and after one acting gig got totally like upper crust and highfalutin next yeah. thing you know they're like john barrymore with like a fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah all right we're gonna hear those stories i gotta thank hear you. that listen yeah. thank you everybody great job good job great job sean yes audio emerald eyes and a couple of zinger questions right yes, yes. Yeah. and you old red man teary-eyed oh yeah emotional wreck yeah. today yes, <laughs> i love that in you dude. brother i should have worn my i like when the guy in total control Loses his yeah. grip on control. I should have yeah. worn those fucking wristbands with the fucking shit that she's got on. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Yeah. I think I might be yeah, pregnant. We got a couple wristbands outside for you, partner. Yeah, let me tell yeah. you something. Ovando Bone LLP. That's what I'm talking hey, about. If you guys get into any kind of legal trouble, legal question, hit me up. Hit me up. Hit I will up. take care of you. <laughs> City Green Builders. John Ritter. Yeah. John yeah, Ritter. John, John Ritter. Ritter. Executive producer. Uh, be on the lookout for Supermax Hardware Drops 10 1 2020. Yeah. Uh, keep an eye out. Hard to kill. Hard H2K. to kill. Um, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Cookies and Burner. Cookies Apparel. Vibes. Cookies Cannabis. Yeah. Vibes. Rolling Papers. Vibes. Shout apparel. out to Vibes. Yeah. Shout out to Mommy Burger on the Impossible Double Fucking Vegan Gruyere Cheeseburger with a truffle oil. That was fantastic. What's your guilty food? What do you eat, Berenice? That, what's your guilty pleasure? I love 
tacos del pastor. All right. <laughs> good. All right. Hey, look at what I got to give out one uh, R.I.P. Rest in peace um, to Sal uh, Galvan Biguero. Um, and then go to my Instagram stories and page. There's a GoFundMe to help out with some funeral services for my uh, for my boy. Also, another shout out is going out to uh, Diablo, Big D from the Norwalk area, who's fighting a battle on his hands. I love you, man. I'm thinking about you and your family. I'm here for you guys. With that, adios amigos from the hard luck. Show. Yeah.